entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. The end of the emergency immigration restriction is expected to result in a flood of migrants at the nation's southern border. And the city is bracing for what it's calling a tidal wave of asylum seekers. Having already opened 126 shelters and with even more asylum seekers expected with the termination of what's known as Title 42, Mayor Adams finds there's simply no more room at the end. New developments in the fight between New York City and the suburbs over housing for asylum seekers. Two counties are vowing to stop hundreds of migrants from being bussed in. We are now declaring a state emergency because we just don't know what the vetting process is. Who are they? Orange County Executive Stephen Newhouse is joining neighboring Rockland County Executive Ed Day in declaring states of emergency. It's in response to the plan by New York City's mayor to bus in around 300 single men to live in hotels in the two suburban counties. A violent standoff between protesters and police as crowds call for an arrest in the chokehold death of a man on the subway. Those calls for an arrest have grown louder in the days since Jordan Neely's death was ruled a homicide. The NYPD says at least 11 people were arrested out here and that officers found a Molotov cocktail left over from the crowd. Jury deliberations begin in the civil case brought by a former Elle magazine columnist who says former President Donald Trump raped her in a department store dressing room nearly 30 years ago. In closing arguments, E. Jean Carroll's attorney refuted Trump's claim that she wasn't his type, telling the jury that the former cheerleader and Miss Indiana University was exactly his type. Trump never showed up for the trial. His lawyer called the accusation a work of fiction. either sadness or euphoria and all of us here on Sid and Friends in the Morning, Sid Rosenberg, Lou Rufino, Justin Ellick, 
Big Noam Layden, wishing our guy here, Billy Joel, a very happy birthday today. Billy? I'm not sure how old Billy is. What's today's date? Is today May the uh, 12th? Ninth. Today's May 9th? He's 74. That May 9th. Yes. Billy Joel turning 74 today. And it's been a while since Billy's hit a tree in the Hamptons. About time. He's ready for that, right? He's 74. He's too old for that stuff. But, man, my man, the piano man, was um, was almost like every week with him. It was nuts. Why would somebody like that just not have a driver? Just I know. We've been over that a million times. I mean, he could he could have a car with a piano in the back. Whatever he wants. And, pl- and play Whatever he while wants. the guy was yeah. driving. Billy Joel, 74. Music, is, as it is most mornings, and I really like what Arthur Idala said yesterday. He said, you know, you're not just a talk show, which um, everybody else is. He's like, your show has music, and you talk about sports, and it's entertaining. It's an entertainment program, which I've tried to convey to this audience forever. For many years, they really thought, and we were a news program, and we were, and that's when we were getting lousy ratings, and I tried so hard to convince the powers that be. I was able to convince Craig Schwab. I was able to convince Dave Labrosi, but I really couldn't convince Matt Meany. I just couldn't. He liked the, you know, back and forth news and we weren't getting anywhere, anywhere. And I like the fact that Idala said yesterday, this is an entertainment program, which it is. For example, talking about music, and we'll get to all the major stories you want. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame announced their inductees. It's coming up in November. They announced who made it a couple of days ago. And Warren Zevon, who's a Lou Ruffino, really Don Imus. Don Imus, Lou Ruffino, Sid Rosenberg, fave. We all love Warren Zevon. He's dead, by the way. But he did not make the Hall of Fame again. Again, Warren Zevon did not make the Hall of Fame. And I was pissed. And I found out about it through a great rock and roll DJ named Dan Neer. And I guess Dan is part of that Scott Muni, Carol Miller, Richard Neer. That uh, legendary group at 102.7, WNEW-FM. I went there when it became AM. And that was the same station where I started my New York career back in 2000 with the radio chick, Ron and Fez, Don and Mike, and, of course, the headliners, Opie and Anthony. I also, I think in the beginning when little Steven was doing the Garage Rock channel. Started there? I think he helped produce that show for Little Steven. I think he was he helped. Who Dan when Neer? It, yeah, when it was on regular radio on Sunday nights. No they, kidding. Yeah, that Little Steven had a the uh, Garage Rock two hour thing. So they're on. tight. Him and Steven. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, I would imagine. Me and Steven are very tight, but people hate that because he yeah. came out and, and uh, called Republicans cockroaches and I don't know whatever he did. Who cares? I don't care. The politics is stupid. Man, they're like little roaches. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, what he said was stupid, but God. So Anir puts up a Facebook post that Zebon didn't make the Hall of Fame. So then I uh, called. I text Lou all the time. Lou and I are buddies. I very rarely call him, though. But I was uh, eating dinner. It was about 20 minutes before game four in Miami between the Heat and the Knicks. And we know how that went. Knicks now facing elimination. They've got to win three consecutive games. They're not going to do it. Bottom line. They're down three games to one. And as I said from the beginning, this time of year, don't F with Eric Spolstra and Pat Riley. <laughs> you just don't F with them. doesn't matter whether it's morning in Hardaway, 
Shaq and Wade, Wade, Bosch and James, Butler and Bam, it doesn't matter. They find a way to win, and Spolstra is really out coaching Tom Thibodeau in this one. But look, don't kill the Knicks. If I would have told you before the start of the year, there'd be four teams left, four in the Eastern Conference, and the Knicks would be one of those, you would have said I was nuts. So let's not kill Tom Thibodeau and the Knicks, okay? Let's not do that. But anyway, I'm about to watch the game, and I call Lou, and I go, did you see Deanier's post? Warren Zebon didn't make the Hall of Fame, and Lou, you, you sounded upset too. I was a little surprised, and I had to start looking up the um, inductees, and I'd forgotten it was done already. You know, they don't even, it's a vote, but they don't go completely on the vote. They also, because it doesn't matter, they still pick them from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So you vote, but then there is still like a clause where they have like discretion, unlike the judges with bail reform in New York? Well, I saw, (laughs) yeah, well, because I saw one and two, George Michael had over a million votes. he had to get in. He was like the top. He's got Wham! and his own uh, solo stuff. Yeah, but and then... Cheryl Crow had to have a million. I you know I think he was the only one over a million from what I saw. So I see George Michael. This was as of a couple of, a day or Willie two Nelson ago. had to get close to a million. Willie Nelson. He had to be number two, right? Four hundred thousand. No he kidding. Was six. Cindy Lauper was second. Oh, Cindy made it too. Said yeah, but they George Michael makes it. Cindy Lauper's two. Warren Zevon's three. Iron Maiden four. Soundgarden five. Only George Michael, out of that top five in votes, got in. Right, Cindy didn't get in. Right, right. Willie Nelson yeah. now at six gets in. Kate That's Bush weird. at seven gets in. Weird. And Cheryl Crow at eight. And this is just in voting order. Cindy Lauper had nine hundred thousand. Yeah. That's weird. Zevon had six hundred thousand. So and he didn't make it. And he's not in. Well, why? Well, what did he do? I don't know. Oh my God! This thing has always been. You're going to tell me that Rage Against the Machine and the Spinners yeah, right. deserve to be in before Warren Zevon? Are you nuts? And, and, yeah, and Missy Elliott. Too. Missy met it too. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, I like her, but. The yeah, Musical Influence Award went to DJ Cool Herc. I mean, I don't know who that is, and Link Ray. Musical Excellence Award. We'll play her today because I like that song, Through the Fire, Shaka Khan. Al Cooper, Bernie Taupin, who did a lot of Elton John stuff. He did all of his arrangements. And um, the Ahmed Erdogan Award went to the former host of Soul Train, the great Don Cornelius. Don Cornelius. Oh, yes. Yeah. So it wasn't uh, just Sid Rosenberg and Lou Ruffino who were very upset that Warren Zevon did not make the Hall of Fame. David Letterman. One miss. I know you guys hate him. Here's another one. Liberal, Netflix, Barack Obama. I know you hate him. And I have to say this every time, which I know you hate. I don't care. David Letterman, for me, because I was too young to really enjoy Johnny Carson, was far and away the best late-night talk show host. I know Carson was the best. I get it. But I was too young. To me, Letterman was light years better than Jay Leno and certainly light years better than the crew we've got now. And Letterman very upset they snubbed Warren Zevon. Lewis, David Letterman, cut number 15. Hey, did you hear the uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame nominations are in? Uh, Warren Zevon did, uh, was on the ballot, I think, the first time and was not voted in. And I'm, I will say I'm disappointed. I'm not angry because I would have been surprised had it gone the other way. Oh, you would have? Yeah, I, because I, I think to be angry would have been like, 30 years ago when he should have been inducted shortly after. How long ago did he pass away? 
10 years. I think longer well, I than think that. I think like 15. But, but in so. any event, whether he was alive or had passed away, he should still be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And I yes. knew it wasn't going to happen. So we're going to talk to one of the greatest. We mentioned a couple of great DJs from the old day on 102.7 WNEW, but certainly the man right now. There's only one guy when you think of rock and roll DJ greats, and that's Jim Kerr. He is a legitimate Radio Hall of Famer. He's got the Rock and Roll Morning Show as we speak right now. He's on Q1043. I think he's on 5 to 9 every morning. He's going to call us during a commercial break at 645, the great rock and roll Hall of Fame DJ Jim Kerr, to talk about this snub and the folks that got in. That's how we start our great guest list today with Jim Kerr. And, of course, tomorrow, ho, 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 folks, that's right, Trump Day. It's an interview Eric Adams will be listening to as he pivots and shifts. Is that right? Eric Adams will be pivoting and shifting and listening to me and Donald Trump. Who knew that? And right before Donald Trump comes on tomorrow, your other favorite, Naomi Rosenberg, maybe the biggest Trump supporter in the country today. Although I got to tell you, Joe Beningo, the legendary WFAN host, was actually back at the fan today. Craig Corton has a day off, and Beningo is back with his old partner, Evan Roberts, doing the afternoon show today. Cool. Yeah, and I spoke to Beningo for about 20 minutes last night because coming up next Friday night, New Jersey, get ready. Next Friday night, which is May the 19th, at the Hackensack Brewery, Sid Rosenberg and Joe Beningo reunite. First time we'll do a show together in 19 years. It's his podcast. Wow. He does a sports podcast. I've been a guest a few times before. But this one is a live show, live audience, Hackensack Brewery in New Jersey. Bro. Next Friday night, 7 to 9 p.m., Rosenberg and Beningo. So make sure if you're in Jersey, you check us out. <laughs> wow. And that's going to be, you're going to come too. So is I, Alec and everybody else. Sure. It's going to be great. What but, a disgrace. And and he didn't talk about the Knicks last night. He didn't talk about the Mets and their lousy start or the Rangers firing Gerard Gallant. All he wanted to do was talk about Trump. And then Fox News. He stopped watching Fox News. He's mad at everybody. Took because the, nope, took the app off. Yeah, nobody <laughs> sticks up with Tucker Carlson. He's really mad at Brian Kilmeade. I don't know what that's all about, but he's like, nobody sticks up with Tucker. It's a disgrace. He's like, I saw you with Jesse Waters on Friday. You look great. You sounded great. At least Jesse's a Don guy. See, if you're a DeSantis guy, he gets mad at you, Beningo. But if you're a Don Trump guy, he likes you. Oh, talking about Donald Trump? Maybe I've mentioned it once. Why not go for it twice? Tomorrow, Trump Day. It's an interview that even Jesse Waters at Fox News would listen to through his earbuds while walking around the city. Here it is, Jesse Waters. So, in uh, local news, the protests continue. Jordan Neely. I know that uh, that racist mother effer, Errol Lewis, was on this station yesterday afternoon. Fine. Um, but he talked about this uh, this story, which everybody's talking about. And it's it's a little difficult. Anderson Cooper said the same thing on CNN just a couple days ago that this one's not that easy. You know, you got a kid whose mother was murdered. So unless you're completely heartless, the kid has to garner some sympathy. But then again, you know, he just can't be running around the subway and threatening people, punching old ladies across the base and doing all that either. So the Marine did the right thing. The Marine was a hero, and more New Yorkers need to do what the Marine did, obviously without killing somebody. We get that. 
But these protesters, this got to stop, man. This really has to stop. You know, New York allows this, not just New York, other cities too, but I said this at the risk of pissing off people who love the Constitution, but I would abolish protest tomorrow. Get rid of it. It's done. It doesn't do anything. It very rarely changes anything. And it just gives a bunch of psychos and irresponsible douchebags basically the pass to go out and burn cities and start fights and spit on cops and throw Molotov cocktails. It's enough. It's enough with the protest. It was cute, I guess, in the 60s. I guess even then it was violent and gross. But now it's really become gross. Enough is enough. You're upset about it. Write your local congressman. Bill O'Reilly, who joins me every Thursday, my guy, he was on Katz and Cosby last night. And he talked about these nearly protesters. And, you know, we hear all the time they're anarchists. They're hired by George Soros. They're professionals. I don't know if that's true. I'm sure some are. But some of these people, they're not pros. They're New York psychos, fat white girls, black people who just, they just like to cause havoc. So here's Bill O'Reilly, Katz, and Cosby last night. Lewis, cut number 12. The demonstrators themselves are primarily anarchists. They're the same people that you saw in Portland, Oregon, trying to burn down that town during the George Floyd riots. They don't care about this poor guy who's dead or the Marine or the justice system. They don't care about any of that. They want to blow up the American system. So any excuse to go out and do that they will do. If you saw that horrendous videotape of these people blowing pot smoke in the face of police from maybe six inches away, putting a bullhorn in the face of cops, it's just absolutely revolting. These people are dangerous and deranged. The two Ds, these are the protesters. They are not good-hearted people. They are not trying to... uh, right and injustice they are trying to blow up the system i would add a third d for douchebag and talking about douchebags how about al sharpton is there a bigger one ever i don't care who likes him i don't care what which people in this city don't publicly admit they like him but they do i don't like him he's a racist he's a race baiter he's really disgusting and his whole life is about donations and taking money from people that's his whole life And he's on MSNBC saying Daniel Penny must be held accountable. Al Sharpton, cut number 13. The victim here uh, had had uh, mental health issues, but that it was certainly uh, not something that should have sentenced him to death. You cannot let this go unaccounted for without really opening the door to legitimizing and giving a basis of vigilantism. Right. This young man, unarmed, did nothing to anyone, didn't assault anyone, right? really? was disruptive, which happens every day on subways, oh, that's and okay. you're going to put him in a chokehold yeah. and hold him there for minutes at a time yeah. while two yeah. other people that's hold right. him down and kill him. Yeah. This person uh, uh, should face a grand jury and the two people with him. You're more and the attorney uh, said that the I mean, my only, my only complaint is I wish I could put Al Sharpton in a chokehold. Now, I don't want to kill him. I don't want to kill Al Sharpton, but I certainly want to cut off enough air to cause more brain damage. He's already got some, trust me. But just cut off just enough air to cause some more brain damage. I'd love to put What's with the chokehold stuff? 
chokehold. I mean, I'm around a long time, 56 years. It's a headlock, right? You all wrestled. You all saw everybody from Hulk Hogan, you know, to, to Ivan Putsky. It's a headlock. What chokehold? I, I, think a, I think a headlock is when you're not choking them. And then yeah, a chokehold sure. is probably when you're cutting off air. Nah, nonsense. It's all very it's a, technical. It's a headlock. It's yeah. not technical. Oh, okay. it's, it's garbage is what it is. It. And, again, for the millionth time, the kid does deserve some sympathy. Nobody's happy Jordan nearly died. But is Al Sharpton serious? What was he doing? He didn't do anything? You know, people who shoot people in the street, they're not, they're not going through psychotic moments. This kid wasn't entirely capable of going crazy, which he was doing, yelling and screaming, throwing garbage, and throwing somebody in front of a moving train. How many examples of those do we have, Al Sharpton, you moron? 27 people are dead on the subways in the last two and a half years. We didn't shoot all of them. What are you talking about? He had to be restrained. It's unfortunate he died, no question about it. Maybe there's got to be some repercussion. Yes, yes. But again, to, to spit at cops, stop the subways, have these losers and lowlifes run around this city like it's an amusement park and make Daniel Penny into public enemy number one? You're a disgrace, Al Sharpton. A disgrace. A racist disgrace. 1-800-848-WABC. 1-800-848-9222. As always, that's the number. Big guest list today, once again, Jimmy Kerr. Q104.3 coming up at 645. We'll talk to Rudy Giuliani's partner on Sundays, Dr. Maria Ryan. Title 42 about to end in two days. Oh, my God. The real Tina. Tina Forte running for office once again. She'll join me at 725. Bo Deedle, my man. My best buddy, Bo, coming up at 740. Nuggets with Noam at 825. New York Post columnist Miranda Devine. Big story out on Biden and the bribery. What comes first? A Hunter Biden indictment tomorrow or a Comer press conference tomorrow? We'll talk to Miranda, the son of the old-time great Tim Russert, Luke Russert. He's got a new book out. He'll join us as well. It's a huge Tuesday edition of your favorite talk show in New York City. That's me, Sid Rosenberg, 77 WABC. Radio 77 WABC. This is Sit and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Dry your eyes, my little friend. Let me take you by the hand. Ready, get ready. In the project, walking down along the strand, 
DJ, the QE's on right now. You're going to take a break just to talk to me. That's how big I am. Jim Kerr, 645, Dr. Maria Ryan, the real Tina, Tina Forte, Bo Deedle, Noam Layden, Miranda Devine, Luke Russer, all stopping by today. Jim going to talk about Zevon again, not uh, not making the Hall of Fame. Did you watch that whole Nick game last night, Lou? You were about to no, watch it. No, I watched till the third third quarter. That I mean, was it was it. over. No, they, yeah. they, they didn't give you any indication that they were coming back. In I mean, they, they, they kept making big baskets, but then the Heat would score the very next right. possession. No stopping. Struess with a three and Butler down the lane. And they could not stop him. They couldn't stop him, no. 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 So it was hard to watch, yes. So Saturday was the King's coronation. <laughs> I know that a lot of you don't care. The truth is millions and millions of you do care. And that is evidenced by the TV ratings and just the interest around the world. It was a big deal. I mean, look, I I know people get angry with me because I spend a lot of time talking about people's appearances, you know. And every once in a while, somebody will say, hey, Sid, you're not exactly Brad Pitt either, which, of course, is ridiculous because I'm a very good-looking guy, great shape. I dress magnificently. I got a beautiful tan and a great body. But that's, that's me, you know. That's not you. And... Usually when people are critical of you, those are the people that are not nearly as attractive as you. You always know that, right? You ever know the guy, like I'll put a picture of me in the gym. I got veins busting everywhere. I'm looking, you know, big and strong. And the guy, and somebody will say, well, what about your legs? And usually that person is, they can haunt the three-family house. Good-looking people don't bother doing so. They just, they like it. They like it. Okay, like it. Great, great. So um, this, uh, this King Charles' wife, this Camilla, this may be the ugliest female I've ever seen in my whole life. It's close, but I, I can't think of anybody, any female ever, and maybe Lou or Justin can help me, I can't think of any female less attractive than Camilla. It's not Bowles anymore, King Charles's wife. And they got these uh, goofy big hats on, you know, at the uh, coronation, these big goofy black hats on uh, Saturday. And she just looked awful. And look, I think Princess Diana, God rest her soul. I knew she was coming next. Really overrated physically. I mean, 80 pounds soaking wet. She had some issues with that. 80 pounds soaking wet. Big nose, horrible hair. Dressed for crap. I mean, please. Classy, yes. Big heart, yes. Wonderful woman, yes. Aids, all the research, the kids. I mean, she was a legitimate great soul. But don't don't tell me Princess Diana was a good looking. Stop it. But compared to Bowles, she's J Lo. She's J Lo. Right? Yes. Of what the? But you know what happens is King Charles was probably always uncomfortable with Diana because she was getting all the compliments. And as unattractive as I thought Diana was, this dopey-eared King Charles is about the dopiest guy I've ever seen. He probably couldn't stand it. Then he gets this uh, ugly lady who's probably very submissive. And it's all good, right? I'm not going to deal with Diana, how classy she is, how pretty she is. Submissive. Yeah, she's probably all submissive and whatever oh, he wants, you oh, know. Charles. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Charles. Do it with the trumpets playing, Charles, this time. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I like it like we're in Buckingham, just naked. So my oh. guy, Howard Stern, Whoa. Whoa. actually Whoa. watched it on Saturday. And he uh, he was all over 
King Charles. I think you call King Charles a pussy. Here he is, Howard Stern, cut number 14 on the king's coronation. England's oh, got to get a grip on themselves. I understand maybe it brings in tourism, but Jesus H. Christ. First of all, Prince Charles is a <laughs> That's number one. And people are acting like the whole ceremony, they're acting like that guy went to war or something and then beat up all the Did other people. Did something great besides yeah. be born. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, they're like, uh, we swear our allegiance to you and you are a great warrior. I mean, the whole thing is nuts. He's right. And uh, the top story online this morning, NewYorkPost.com, three days after the King's coronation is people are wondering why Harry went in the first place. He didn't want to go. His wife did not go, Meghan Markle. They used their son Archie's birthday as an excuse uh, not to go. And they're wondering why Harry came because I guess Harry was not very friendly. Traffic with Joe Nolan and Rock and Roll Hall of Fame DJ Jim Kerr both coming up next. Right now we're it's time with all, for the 77 you. WABC minicast clip of the day. Get the whole story in under 10 New York minutes. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Today's minicast is from the Rita Cosby Show. Here Rita talks about Jordan Neely. Here Rita talks about Jordan Neely. Not working? No, I, 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 it's like loading. So oh, now I can, I can play. All right, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> and you have a guy who's taking off his clothes and throwing garbage at people and saying, I want to die. I don't care if I go to jail the rest of my life. Guess what? I would be worried. And everybody is still sort of painting him as if he is Mother Teresa. And, yeah, there are problems clearly in this guy's past. I feel really bad for him. I do feel the system clearly sold this guy down the river. Clearly, he was on sort of a New York City sort of top 50 people that desperately needed help. I contend if you only have 50 people that are sort of on this desperately needed help list, why didn't you help him? This is Sid on Sports. Sponsored by Peerless Boilers on 77 WABC. Justin Ellick here with your bottom of the hour sports update. Sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. They're the world's best. Built a Boilers game for the semifinal series between your New York Knickerbockers and the Miami Heat. Did not go the way New York needed it to, with the Knicks losing 109-101 to to fall into a three-games-to-one hole. Other than Jalen Brunson and his game-high 32 points, the rest of the squad have not quite done enough to match the energy of the Heat. And now with their backs up against the wall, and the season on the line, the Knicks will tip it off for a must-win Game 5 at the Garden tomorrow night. Elsewhere, the Lakers beat the Warriors 104-101 to gain a three-games-to-one advantage in the West semifinals. And out on the diamond in the Bronx, the Yankees let out some of their recent frustration on the lowly Oakland Athletics, pounding them 7-2 in the opener of a three-game set that, frankly, the uh, Yankees really need to sweep. They got off on the right foot in that regard with a power surge that included dingers from LeMahieu, Hicks, Torres, and Cabrera, while Nestor Cortez and the bullpen made easy work of the the Oakland Bats to seal the deal. Another side of relief comes for the Yankees before tonight's 7.05 p.m. first pitch for Game 2 with the activation of a one Aaron Judge off the injured list after the slugger spent nearly two weeks as a spectator due to a strained right hip. Clark Schmidt is set to get the ball in tonight's middle game going up against Oakland's Drew Ruchinski. As for the Mets, they'll return to the field tonight at 6.40 p.m. to open up a three-game series against the Reds in Cincinnati. Max Scherzer will take the hill against Cincy's Luke Weaver. And on the ice tonight, the Devils will welcome in the Carolina Hurricanes 
Hurricanes. Game four, 7 p.m. Puck drop. Carolina currently up two games to one. Here are sports sponsored by Pete Morgan of Peerless Boilers. Go to peerlessboilers.com, pavilionsandquist.com to find a dealer near you. They're the world's best built boilers, and I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. A legend of New York local news has died. Former Fox 5 anchor John Rowland. For nearly 30 years, Rowland delivered the news to New Yorkers at 10 o'clock every night. He first joined the station back in 1969 when Channel 5 was still part of Metro Media. He took over as the main anchor in 1979. Rowland had a gritty style that became familiar to everyone here in New York. He often insulted crime suspects using terms like thugs. Roland retired in 2004, but his style influenced many journalists still working today. John Roland was 81 years old. Shadows are falling and I'm running out of breath. Keep me in your heart for a while. If I leave you, it doesn't mean I love you any less. Rest in peace, John Rowland. This is the great Warren Zevon. You know, he actually wrote this song on his deathbed, literally on his deathbed. Keep me in your heart tonight. And I tell you, this uh, brings on a guy that's just, I mean, you know, President Trump is going to be on this show tomorrow morning. And I bring on the biggest names in every genre. But this guy, man, I love this guy so much. You talk about rock and roll DJs in the history of New York. I don't care if you're talking about Scott Muni, Carol Miller, Dan Near, Richard Near. I don't care. As far as I'm concerned, Jim Kerr, right now as we speak during his morning show at Q104.3, is the best ever. And my man is taking time out of his morning show right now to call into us to talk about Zivon and the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame snubs and the folks that made it in. Jim Kerr, good morning, buddy. How are you? Well, good morning, Sid. Uh, it is it is an unusual situation to have only one actual rock band be included in the uh, induction class, which was the case this year. In, in fact, over the past several years, there have been more and more artists that are identified with other genres that have gone into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But this year, only one real rock band, and quite frankly, they weren't even that popular that was rage against the machine uh tom morello is no doubt a, a very very fine guitar player but he's probably better known as a political activist uh, but they're the only rock group that made it in and i had the uh, chairman of the rock and roll hall of fame john sykes on my show uh, to announce the actual uh, inductees this year and he said right on the air that he was shocked, that he really believed Warren Zevon was going to get in. Uh, and and when the results came out, he just couldn't believe it. But, you know, that's that's the way it goes. The voters vote and uh, majority rules. I I personally am very disappointed that Warren Zevon didn't get in. I yeah, mean, me and Lou Ward, too. And, you know, you say the voters vote, yet what we saw here in the voting, uh, this is, of course, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame DJ Jim Kerr. Cindy Lauper came in second in the voting. Warren Zevon came in third in the voting. And neither one of them made the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. How does that happen, Jim Kerr? Well, Pat Benatar, who is in now, but Pat Benatar a few years ago won the uh, fan vote and didn't get in. 
Uh, but Cindy Lauper, she had a string of hits and certainly has more of a rock image than, say, Sheryl Crow. But Sheryl Crow got in. I mean, you just scratch your heads. Sheryl Crow had really one hit, right? Just the one hit. Uh, George Michael, though, with the fan vote, he won that by a wide, wide margin. And even though a great singer, a great pop artist, the fact is, wake me up before you go-go <laughs> isn't really much of a rock song. <laughs> no. You know, you, you think you think just of Werewolves of London, which was the biggest Warren Zevon hit. Of course, he had many. But that was almost a throwaway at the end of a recording session. That was just Warren Zevon and his friends having a good time late at night. And they created a classic. Um, but anyway, Soundgarden did, didn't get in. The White Stripes didn't get in. Iron Maiden didn't get in. All great rock and roll. I mean, the Soundgarden, I'm sorry, but the lead singer uh, for that group, Cornell, one of the greatest voices, I think, in the history of music, Jim. And, you know, again, just to kind of revisit the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, Shaka Khan, rap artists, why do we still call it the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Well, I, according to the uh, chair chairman of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, he defined rock and roll as being the music of the young. And in fact, rock and roll, when it was created, uh, it said that country music and rhythm and blues ended up in the same bar down south one night, uh, had a few <laughs> drinks, uh, and uh, left the bar to check into a motel. And nine months later, rock and roll was born, and they've all had a difficult relationship with one another ever since. And there's a certain degree of, of truth to that, of course. But, but you know, the, there are, I think, about 1,300 voters. There are 30 members of the nominating committee. Uh, they keep the list pretty secret. The only person I know who has been vocal about his voting role is little Stephen uh, from the E Street Band, Steve Van Zandt. And he's been a vocal proponent for those uh, artists that have been overlooked through the years. I mean, it was really because of, of Steve Van Zandt that the Dave Clark Five got in, for instance, and certainly they were deserving. But unfortunately, they weren't inducted until the year after lead singer Michael Smith's death, so he didn't get to mm. you know, appreciate it. But I've been to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It's a wonderful museum. It really is a nice place to visit. But, yes, it does get a little crazy trying to figure out what the criteria yeah, Actually, so last and, and one. And Warren Zebon should be there, Sid, of course, and you know it. Of course, I, we love Warren Zebon. Last one, because you've got your own show to do right now, Q104.3, legendary Hall of Famer Jim Kern. I know you guys play the classic rock, which is my favorite music, and Lewis. Is there anybody out there right now making records that doesn't date back to 1970, like Billy Joel, U2, or Bruce Springsteen, that you consider, Jim, maybe somebody will see in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame somewhere down the road? Because the music today seems to be lacking a lot. Well, by the way, since you mentioned Billy Joel, today is his birthday. Yeah. Um, uh, it, it's, it's, diff it's, it's difficult to say. I'm sure there is somebody out there that's going to rise to the top, whether it's in the rock and roll genre or not. Remember, there's like... Uh, country artists that, that are, are new and are fresh and are huge. And who's a bigger star in the world today than Taylor Swift? Nobody. So there are, there are people making, uh, you know, compelling music today. But, uh, yeah, rock, 
rock as a genre could use, uh, you know, an infusion of youthful vitality. There's no question about it. This was an honor. Jimmy, thank you for taking time out of your amazing show and coming on with me. You really are one of my all-time favorites. I love you. Thank you so much, Jim Kerr. This was well, great. Well thank, well, thank you, Sid. You're one of my early morning friends. You know that. <laughs> thank you. Yes, I am. We, uh, we do text each other very, very early days. And I will say this. Again, that was the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame DJ Jim Kerr, who, as we speak, is hosting his own morning show at Q104.3. I look back on my Facebook Messenger. That's how I got in touch with Jim Kerr last night. And there's a message from January 26th, 2016. And it reads, Welcome home, buddy. Congratulations. Oh, that's cool. That was the day I landed at Kennedy Airport the day before I started the midday show with my late great partner, Bernard, January 27th, 2016, an unprovoked message from the great Jim Kerr. He's a great person. He's great. He really is. And uh, like us, upset that Warren Zevon not in. But he did mention this specific song, Werewolves of London. We'll do our own Hall of Fame tribute to Warren Zevon today. Got a huge guest that's coming up the next three hours. And President Trump coming up tomorrow. Rock on, New York City. Warren Zevon, Werewolves of London. I saw a werewolf with a Chinese menu in his hand. Walking through the streets of Soho in the rain. He was looking for the place called Lee Ho Fuchs. Gonna get a big dish of beef chow mein. You better not let him in Little old lady got mutilated day last night Werewolves of London again Radio 77 WABC. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Hit it. This ain't no disco. It ain't no country club either. Tell him, baby, Cheryl Crow, she did make the Hall of Fame. How cool was that? I mean, I don't think you folks understand. This guy, Jim Kerr, again, Hall of Famer, 
He's doing his show right now, his very, very popular Q104.3 morning show. And he respects me and loves me enough to call in during his show. He actually had his board up play some extra spots so he can spend an extra two or three minutes on the Sid Rosenberg show. He's Jim the, Kerr. He's one of the nicest guys you've super ever guy. Made. Super really. guy. And super smart. Really smart. That. And what a voice. Yep. God. I think I want to bang him. No, I don't blame you. No. It's okay. I want to bang to Ed Day, too. I like Ed Day. He's the Rockland County executive. I just, there's something about this guy. He's a psycho. My wife, Danielle, is, like, so mad at him. She's like, he shouldn't physically threaten anybody. I understand the frustration. We're all frustrated, but he shouldn't physically threaten anybody. And I'm like, well, maybe. Ideally, you're probably right, but I thought it was refreshing. And I like Eric Adams. And, you know, maybe uh, if Ed Day stepped up to him, we'll see all that police training, how that goes for Adams. But Ed Day was at it again yesterday. And we spoke to Mike Lawler, the congressman out of Rockland County, in the morning. Ed Day was the guy on the Rob Astorino show on Saturday that threatened to physically hurt Eric Adams. And yesterday was all over the mayor again. This is uh, Ed Day, Rockland County executive, saying these migrants, they're not coming to our neighborhood. Cut number five. It is hypocritical, and frankly, it is maddening, to then turn around and do the exact same thing to a county that isn't even a sanctuary county. It is, we are not equipped to humanely assist these individuals. And then one more. This is another Orange County executive, Stephen Newhouse, declaring a state of emergency, cut number six. We are now declaring a state of emergency because we just don't know what the vetting process is. Who are they? So that's it. Ed Day and uh, Newhouse. Two counties in New York that are saying to uh, Mayor Eric Adams, no thanks. But as far as I know, sometime over the next two days, it's supposed to happen. And, of course, folks, don't forget, Title 42 is set to expire in two days on Thursday, and then all hell breaks loose. That's why Dr. Maria Ryan, who does a great job alongside Woody Giuliani every Sunday morning, will be live in studio next talking specifically about Title 42 expiring. And then you'll get the real Tina, Tina Forte, Bo Deedle, Arthur Idala, Noam Layden, Miranda Devine, and Luke Russell. What a guest list, all leading up to President Trump, 8.05, tomorrow morning. Our number one in the books. Our number two, once again, Dr. Maria Ryan, Tina Forte, and Bo Deedle, all coming up this hour. Coming right back after Noam with the news. Sid and Friends in the Morning, 77 WABC. We've been preparing uh, for this for more than a year and a half. You are correct. And it is indeed a regional challenge, and it requires a regional response, which is why we are working so closely with many countries to the south. It's going to take our plan a while to really take hold for people to understand that they can access lawful, safe, orderly pathways before they reach the border. And quite frankly, if they come to the border, they will receive a consequence 
under our enforcement authorities. We have been pushing for immigration legislation since day one. And by the way, it didn't start on day one. This is a decades-long problem. The immigration system hasn't been fixed since the 90s. But to all senators and all members of the House of Representatives, we need immigration reform. Everything that the Department of Homeland Security is doing, everything that our partners across the federal government uh, are, are doing is within a broken immigration system. Mm -hmm. uh, the president passed uh, to Congress a proposal to fix our broken immigration system on the first day in office. birthday happy 74th birthday to billy joel today as you just heard the great hall of fame rock and roll dj jim kerr who called me in the middle of his own show about 15 minutes ago q104.3 wishing billy joel a happy birthday and very smart lewis moving out it's also called anthony's song but moving out from the great album the stranger because uh, folks are moving out and in this case folks are moving in that was the voice of Alejandro Mayorkas, who uh, should be not just impeached, but for all the years we heard about, put her in jail, talking about Hillary Clinton and, and Cuomo and other folks. Mayorkas really deserves to be in prison. He really does. What he's doing two weeks ago, the border was secure. This weekend, maybe not. He's a liar, and he is doing some things to this country that are resulting in not just fentanyl and drugs, but violent deaths in this country every day. So with that said, Title 42 is about to expire on Thursday. The man, of course, that put that in place, the great president, Donald Trump, will join me tomorrow morning on this program at 8.05, and we'll talk about his border policies, what he did with Title 42. And what Mallorca says, it's been broken for 30 years. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Four years Trump was president. They were building a wall. They had folks down there watching those borders. We had none of these issues. Zero. None of them. Did he forget about those four years? I'm not sure. The show on Sunday is Uncovering the Truth with two of my favorite people, the greatest politician in the history of New York, the great esteemed Mayor Rudy Giuliani, who's here this morning, and his partner in crime, Dr. Maria Ryan, who's in studio this morning. And you can come back whenever you want because the first thing you said when you walked in was... You look very handsome. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that gets me a ticket back. That's it. You, you can come back every week after that. And you look wonderful as well. Beautiful. Thank, Thank you. you. So good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing well. Good. Although this subject gives me 
Heartburn. Yeah. I've been talking about it ever since Biden got into office. And you're right. Alejandro Mayorkas is breaking the law every single day. And the whole Biden administration is complicit in the rape of children, the sex trafficking of children. We've made... We collectively, meaning our government, have made the cartels billionaires now. They determine who comes in and when. Now we're having Chinese nationals coming through our southern border. So it's not just people seeking a better life. There's a lot of crime element. They're illegally coming in. And now Biden says, I'm going to send 1,500 troops. But wait a second. As as, uh, Rudy Giuliani is taking live video of this as we speak, this is a big (laughs) deal. This is Rudy Giuliani, the great Rudy, taking live video. If everything is fine and the border is secure and there are no issues, why do we need 1,500 more troops? Yeah. Because the answer is it's not really fine, is it? They're not honest. They think the American people are stupid and people are dying every day from their decisions. This fentanyl poisoning is crazy. From the ages of 18 to 45, more people are dying from fentanyl poisoning than they did from COVID. Because they weren't really at risk of dying from Well, nobody from really COVID. died from COVID anyway. They yeah, died yeah. from gunshot wounds and heart disease. Yeah, and, and a lot of them. All that other yeah, stuff, right? Yeah. I mean, it, whoever died of COVID, half of those numbers were inflated. Yeah. Uh, fentanyl deaths, that's real. That is very real. And it's a lot of our children are dying every day. Yeah. So I have been proposing, but nobody from Congress has called me to testify or, or give a plan. But my, <laughs> my recommendation is to put a moratorium on the border. We have to stop. Just stop. We can do that. Biden has the authority to say, okay, no more until we catch up to all these 6.5 million people we let in illegally since the Biden administration. Let's catch up with them. Let's get them court dates. And then going further, we have to have, I mean, Mayorkas is right in one respect only. We do need a comprehensive immigration plan, and it should have targets. Like I was CEO of a hospital, so I was in the private sector, and you have targets. So if you can't let anybody else in until they can have a court date within 30 days or or targets like that, we just shut it down. Heck, Biden's people puts a lid on him at 1 o'clock every day. Right, exactly (laughs) right. I love it when Bill O'Reilly comes on and uh, tells me the schedule for O'Reilly for the day. It's hilarious. It's like basically a retired person down in Delray Beach. Shuffleboard at (laughs) 4 o'clock. Delhi at 4.30, I'll make a phone call to, I don't know, some world leader at 6 and the time to go to bed. You know, you say that Biden can stop it, yes. and he doesn't. And we all know that's true. That's yeah. true. But the $64,000 question, Dr. Maria, is why doesn't he stop it? Like, he can't. I know he's cognitively shot, yeah. and I know he's also a puppet, basically, for the progressive left. But he can't wake up in the morning and say, hey, this is going great. So why isn't he stopping it? Somewhere along the way, he's gotten compromised by the radical left. I never thought he could become president because I didn't think he'd get a clearance because he's compromised by the Chinese. We knew that before he even became president. But somehow they've compromised him because the Joe Biden of the past, albeit he was a pathological liar, he was in the middle. How his thoughts were, were in the middle. Now it's like either he doesn't care, they're not telling him the truth. I don't know what it is. I can't answer that. But it's like this one world progressive plan, and it's to bring America to their knees. Yeah. That's and, what the plan is. And it's working. It's, we're it down working. that slide yeah. right now. That's why uh, Trump needs to get back into office, and uh, we'll talk about that with the president 
once again coming up tomorrow. And here at home, Dr. Maria, we're feeling the effects. I mean, this big story with Rob Astorino on Saturday and mm-hmm. Ed Day and Mayor Adams. And, you know, here, Mayor Adams, a, a guy that uh, I, I see some things that I like. I see mm-hmm. a lot I don't like. Yeah. He's no Woody Giuliani. I understand that. <laughs> yeah. But I do some, I do see some things I like. For example, giving the cops a raise. Very yeah. good. Yep. Uh, standing up for the Marine last week when Kathy Hochul. I like that a lot. That was great. I right, like right. that a lot. But at the same time, with the migration issue, the illegal issue, I yes. should say, if you're Eric Adams, you can't boast that we're a sanctuary city and at the same you're time right bitch about money and migrants. Yeah, you're Which right one is on. it? He, he's the one that says, we welcome you all. Come in. They're getting better benefits than people who are American citizens here in New York. The only time I've ever felt bad, I mean this, for the homeless mm. is since the migrants came. Yeah. At least the homeless are New Yorkers. Yeah, I right. mean, they're gross and disgusting and perverts and sick a lot of them, and they make our lives miserable, but at least they're ours. Yeah, right. They're not from Venezuela. Yeah, and, the, and a lot of them need mental health. A lot of them who are paranoid schizophrenics need help, and that's where the city's failing them. Last time you were on, it's interesting. You came on the Tuesday morning after DeMar Hamlin suffered cardiac arrest twice on a Monday night football game between Buffalo and Cincinnati, and you were great that day. So, because I see Dr. Maria Ryan, and I'm always curious, doctor of what? I um, am a board-certified nurse practitioner, so you I are. practice independently, and I have a Ph.D. in healthcare administration. So you're a real, unlike Dr. Jill Biden, who's a doctor of I don't know what. What is she a doctor of? I think education. I think she has her Ph.D. in education. <laughs> yeah, so I've practiced for a long time. I'm a very good, if I say so myself, a very good diagnostician. When everybody was jumping to different things with DeMar, I... Uh, I tried to look at it realistically. I didn't know if he had a COVID shot or not, because that was the big thing. He probably had a COVID shot. I, I don't know to this day. But I thought, well, maybe Camosio Cardis in the official ruling just came out two weeks ago, and I was right. You nailed Camosio it, yes. Cardis. Yes, yeah. and you also told me what Ray Liotta died from as well. That's not true what I'm going to say anyway. <laughs> but so, so if you're a nurse and you can figure all this out and you knew exactly about Hamlin, you're right. Yep. Is it fair to say the country, we talked about this moments ago, the country is dying, and if the country is dying, is it as easy as Trump's the answer? What's the answer? It's going to be hard, I have to tell you. I never knew how deep the deep state is, but look at our Justice Department covering up for the Bidens, doing, you know, people have used AI, artificial intelligence, with Rudy putting his voice to stuff. It's bad. Yeah, I've done if that. You, get into <laughs> if you go against the Bidens or anybody on the left, they're going to crush you. Yeah, but their time is coming. You know, again, I hope we, so. well, it could be tomorrow. We're talking about Hunter right yes, now. Yes, yes. And Comer is is uh, begging his people, his uh, Republicans, give me a chance yeah. to do the press conference first tomorrow because it's not just Hunter. It's Hunter's father. Look, we want Joe. We don't care about Hunter. Yeah. God bless him. He's a drug addict. So am I. He's got all of his issues. We yeah. don't care. We want Joe. But according to Comer, there are seven, eight, maybe 12 Bidens involved. So while we're talking about a possible indictment tomorrow, which would be great for Hunter Biden, I like what Comer is saying. Let's wait and get all these people. Right. You know, interestingly, speaking of Rudy Giuliani, he got that laptop from hell. And two years ago, I believe, he put out on his podcast, RudyGiulianiCS.com, 
what Comer is talking about now, that money laundering scheme through Cyprus in direct money. I actually saw one of the documents from the Communist Chinese Party that was giving Jill Biden an office here in New York City, Joe Biden, and I think James Biden. Yeah, besides brother. Hunter. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, of course, Rudy went through so much hell and continues yeah. to go through so much yeah. hell. He's probably, I would say, next to Trump, the second most persecuted man I, I, in this country. More. It's terrible. No, I think it's great. I'm jealous. <laughs> I wake up every day. I'm like, I wish they would hate me like that. It's got to be fun. You know, he doesn't it's care. Like, you walk the streets of New York with Rudy, though. You, Everybody says, I love you, Rudy. Come back, be mayor. You would think with the media, people are throwing tomatoes at him. But they <laughs> yeah. love him. They recognize what he did for this city, what he did for the country in a lot of ways. Look at the way he defended Trump. Most people shied away. Law offices wouldn't allow other lawyers to defend Trump. Rudy said, no, there's a yeah. right and there's a wrong. This guy didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. And he's the one that brought everybody's knowledge up when it came to yeah. that first impeachment. It and was Rudy not, Giuliani. And not easy. Uh, I'm friends with Joseph Takapina since the fourth grade. We carpooled together huh. to poly prep. We've been best friends legitimately for 45 years. Wow, that's great. So I talked to Takapina three or four times a day. And let me tell you, it ain't easy representing Donald, you know, because Takapina's in court trying to convince Judge Kaplan, be nice to my client, and his client is on Truth Social killing the judge. Yeah. And Rudy knows about that as well. So all these attorneys that defend our guy, Donald Trump, they all deserve a medal of courage. They they sure do. Because he is a very difficult client. (laughs) (laughs) A great president and a super guy, but a very difficult client. Uh, My recommendation for President Trump is to really look who's around him in this administration. He did have some bad people around him in the last administration. I think he trusted, right? He always trusted people were going to do the right thing for the country. Yes. And now I think his eyes are open that he's got to just wipe them out. Go do what Rudy Giuliani did when he first became mayor of New York. He wiped out all the bad seed. You're right about that. I just had this conversation with Kimberly Guilfoyle two days ago because I did Jesse Waters on Friday night. And um, the show after Jesse used to be Tucker. Yeah. So now they have fill-in hosts. So did I. So they have fill-in hosts. And Kellyanne Conway filled in on Friday. It was a lovely picture of me and Kelly. Yeah. I like her a lot. Yeah, I do, too. I think she's very smart. She's great. So I say to Kimberly via text two days ago, he's got to bring her back as the campaign manager. And Kimberly goes, yes, Bannon, Bossy, and Conway. And I said, as Meatloaf once sang, two out of three ain't bad. (laughs) I mean, I know Steve loves him, but that's a guy that's only going to hurt Donald Trump. He's not going to help him. So a lot of those guys that Donald is loyal to to this day because they helped him win in 2016. He needs to get rid of some of those people. And I have to say, the American people are a little bit different. Initially, people liked that flair of Trump. He called names. He made fun of people. That's soured over time. He can't go out and do that this time. He's got to talk about policy, how he's going to change things, and how he's going to make things better for the average person who are suffering. I'm having a hard time. This winter, my oil bill, I couldn't believe it. Oh. How much to pay to heat my house, the food bills. Uh, you know, it's just we're in dark times for the people who are working hard and paying taxes. And Trump could be that savior for that 
for that group. Yeah. So yeah. on the yeah. way out, then, with, again, Title 42 expiring on Thursday. This is a great conversation. Yeah. You're great. Thank you. Uh, expiring on Thursday, what are your last comments on immigration, Mayorkas' comments, Title 42 ending on Thursday? What are we looking at in the very near future? You know, it, like I said, 6.5 million people at least have come through illegally. They're already lining up. A lot of them are paid by Soros. They're coming through with funding from the Soros-type people. We need to have somebody, Republican, Democrat, Libertarian, I don't care who it is, try to get that extended, not as a COVID emergency, but a fentanyl poisoning health emergency, and try to get it extended and try to get in there and close that border. Where is Congress? I'm a little disappointed, too. Congress should be putting forward an immigration plan right now that includes a moratorium on anyone coming in. I agree with the moratorium. I mean, Kevin McCarthy is kind of busy these days. He's trying to put away the whole Biden family. (laughs) He's got a lot going on. But you're right. A moratorium would help at least in the the short term. Do you know, Sid, there's 90,000 children missing? I know. Right here in uh, Westchester County, 50 young girls were brought in, flown in in the middle of the night, uh, you know, maybe about six months ago. When gotten to sponsors, mm-hmm. who the hell are these sponsors? Oh, they're, they're people who put them in the sex trade. Exactly. And of course. And then we it's know disgusting. what. And we know where some of these kids are, and they're making twenty-five cents a week, working like it was back in nineteen twenty-five. Yeah. This is this is the real crime. Yeah. Is what they're doing to children. Children. Mothers yeah. are putting little girls, eight-year-old girls, on birth control pills yeah. for the journey because they know they'll be uh. raped multiple times. Oh my and God. our government is complicit in that. It makes me sick. Man, that was pretty nauseating. Yeah. It's breakfast time, Dr. Maria. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. No, sorry. but it's the truth, and people need to hear this. So that uh, all we can say is elections are important. Yes. And these are the types of things you put people in charge who are basically, and I hate to say this because I don't think anybody in their heart of hearts really is, but they're okay with eight-year-old girls getting raped. That's your Democrat leaders. Right. Bottom and line. And I want to appeal to those Democrats who have a good sense of morality and integrity you know sometimes you have to break with your party put your country put humanity above your party i've done that i was a brooklyn jew a democrat my whole life i Mm. love clinton yeah i loved him and now i'm a donald trump guy so there you have it very good you smartened up (laughs) (laughs) i guess i did you're great thank you thank you you for having me you were great you were terrific folks check her out dr maria ryan alongside rudy rudy's going to join us at 8 40 on friday every sunday morning uncovering the truth at 10 a.m thank you great job the lovely Dr. Maria Ryan. More to do this hour, including the real Tina. She's running again. My friend Tina Forte and the always very entertaining and brilliant Bo Deedle. Sid Rosenberg on a Tuesday. Keep it right here. Friends in the morning, 77 WABC.
Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, next fall in Cleveland, Shaka Khan, through the fire. I'll talk to my main man, Bo Deedle. Bo's like my best friend now, that's it. He's done. In fact, he invited me and my beautiful wife, Danielle, to Rayo's this Thursday, but not sure if Danielle can make it. We'll find out. We'll talk to Bo coming up at about 7.45, but I love this lady. You know, the uh, Bernie loved her, too. Bernie found her. I knew about her already, but Bernie found her on Instagram, yelling and screaming about Trump. And she became uh, very famous. People love her. They call herself uh, the real Tina. Her name is Tina Forte. But then she became a very serious politician. In fact, she ran against AOC out in District 14 last election. And then I get a message from the real Tina, Tina Forte, a couple days ago. She's going to do it again. Run against AOC. So here she is, my friend, the great Trump supporter. He'll be on this show tomorrow, 8.05. Tina Forte. Tina, good morning, sweetheart. How are you? Good morning, Sid. How are you? Thank you for having me. It's a, great to have you. I uh, I, I could remember, like yesterday, being at Steve Loro's house on the lawn, trying to get Lee yeah. Zeldin to win the gubernatorial with Donald Trump Jr. to my right and Kimberly Guilfoyle to my left, and looking out in the crowd and seeing a very tan, smiley Tina Forte. And you were running at the time against AOC. You didn't win last time, but I guess you feel like you've got a better chance this time because you can make it official right here. Are you running again? Yes, I am. And uh, you are the first to know I'm announcing on your show right now that I'm starting early because I want to start meeting with the voters in New York. I really want to take time to visit with each and every community. You know, I think now I'm more experienced I have early support with many neighborhood leaders, Republicans and Democrats alike. And I'm also starting off the race with Republican leadership in the Bronx and Queens so we can all work together. Because, as you know, the last time I had to spend a lot of time and money fighting the establishment to beat their candidate in the primary. I don't have that right now. And another big advantage I have is that AOC has another two years to disenfranchise the citizens. She so has, yeah, yeah. I have a better chance. Right, right. She, no, she's been, has not been a great go for her all over the mayor, Eric Adams, because he gave the police a raise. I mean, last time he ran against her, I guess that whole Met Gala thing was in play, that stupid dress she wore. But she yeah. Cer- yeah, she certainly has said, has said some more serious stuff uh, this time around. But look, Tina, let's be honest. You know, I love you. Love you to death. And you've got a huge following, huge following but this girl, she's a rock star. Like it or not, for some reason, the Democrat Party, they love her. They And, I, and I'm going to tell you this. I think she's got more power than Joe Biden on certain days. So it seems like she's a very difficult person to defeat. 
me. Yeah, well, I'm hoping the people of New York have had enough and don't forget how much she outraised me. She raised $12.5 million, I raised $1.5 million. And I was still out there every day because I'm a hard worker and I'm a loud fighter. And I will always fight for freedom. You are all those things. You are a hard worker. You're definitely loud fighter. Uh, but listen, you know, you're a, you're a nice lady. You're a mom. You're a grandmother. Oftentimes, grandma I'll... again. Oh, grandma again? Yeah, I have a grandson now. Oh, mazel <laughs> tov. up on family stuff over this little, over these little few month breaks that I have. I have a grandson now. Oh, mazel. And I see you sometimes taking the kids to school, like you help out with that type of stuff. Yes. 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 So you're like a, yeah. a regular, uh, you know, like my mother, Naomi, who's going to join me tomorrow. Yeah, I'm a regular mom, regular grandma. I'm a regular person, but I just feel that freedom is worth fighting for. I feel New York is worth fighting for. And what are the – in is worth fighting for. In District 14, Tina, what are the neighboring towns that you'll be – that you represent? Okay, well, last time when they – when this is what happened the last time when the district had changed, I had a lot of new areas, and I didn't have the time because of all the infighting that was going on to cover the new areas that I had had received after the district, and so I gained co-op city. I didn't really work hard there. I didn't have time. I didn't have the time to really go in there. Now, because I'm starting so early, I have time to go into the areas I couldn't get to the last time, so I have – Neck. I have Country Club. I have some of Morris Park. I have Astoria. I have a part of Queens. You know, it's different pockets. Co-op City was very hard. Now, she beat me bad in Co-op City, but that was a new just that was a new area for me. I didn't have the time to go in there. I didn't go in there once. My vans went in there. People went in there for me, but I didn't get to personally go in there. There were a lot of areas I didn't personally get to go into because of all the infighting I was doing. Don't forget, I was fighting the establishment. I was fighting AOC. But now this time, I have the support, so I, I'm a little bit more relaxed. I'm not, like, don't get me wrong. If I have to yell and scream, I will. <laughs> yeah. But I'm going into this race a little uh, bit more relaxed uh, 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 with a little bit more experience. So I'm actually really going to go in go into all these areas, and I'm going to speak with the people directly one-on-one in areas I didn't get to. Now, don't forget, this is not until November of 2024, so to Tina's point, much like the presidential election, she's got a lot of time now to do what she didn't do last time and uh, hopefully beat this creep, this AOC. On the way out, look, when people were afraid to say, I love Trump, you weren't. You were one of the very first people. You were all over social media loving him doing these great, you know, these great little pieces every day, cursing, yelling, and screaming. Trump is going to join me tomorrow morning at 8.05. But you have been a a real loyal supporter of 45 from day one. Is that still the case? And do you think think this time maybe DJT will say something nice about you and your race? That would be nice. That would be very nice because his daughter-in-law, Lara, he was saying nice things about me. I had I had a lot of support in, within the, within the family. Well, hopefully this time he, he steps up. Me, but let's see this time. But I do want to say that I am a Trump supporter, and I am saying Trump 2024, and it's Tina 2024. And my website is fireaoc.com this time. Fireaoc.com. Go yeah. there today. Throw a couple of bucks Tina Forte's way, and let's get uh, Tina. Let's get behind Tina and get rid of AOC next November. Tina Forte, you've got my endorsement. You've got my vote. You know I love you. Thanks for hopping on this morning. Thank you. Thank you, Sid. God bless you. You Have a great day. You too. And thank you for being alongside me in my journey.
You got it. It's been fun and will continue to be fun, and hopefully this time we can get you a win. That's my friend, the real Tina, Tina Forte, running once again for a second consecutive time against AOC coming up in November of 2024. Once again, throw Tina a couple of bucks this morning. Go to fireaoc.com. We got the great Bo Deedle coming up next. Talk Radio 77 WABC. 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. The officers responded to the location. There's approximately 150 protesters out there. And I want to make it clear we respect people's right to protest. I don't. We respect their, their First Amendment rights, but we will not uh, tolerate people breaking the law. More importantly, we will not tolerate people bringing weapons and dangerous substances to peaceful protest. As the protest started, there were different violations of the law. Officers addressed the violations of the law. We made about 11 arrests, and as we started to move the crowd, we found a Molotov cocktail that was in in the crowd, on the ground. Once we established calm at the scene and we took away the people who were violating the law, we had a peaceful protest. People marched from the vicinity of uh, Houston and Broadway, all the way down here to the 7th Precinct with no problems. The officers were here. We escorted them. We allowed them to speak up. We allowed them to elevate their voices, and then they left when they were ready. We will respect people's right to protest, but we cannot ask people bringing weapons. Song. Happy birthday once again to Billy Joel, 74th birthday today. This song is I Go to Extremes, and these animals go to extremes. I'm sick of protests. I think we should abolish it. I don't care about the First Amendment. They're animals. They're always animals, no matter what. you got got 100 people marching nicely. All it takes is 5, 10, 15, and it's a disaster. That was the NYPD chief, Jeff Madry, and talking about the New York police, Nobody better than my next best, my main, my next guest, I should say, my buddy, my main man, spent the better part of two decades as one of the greatest cops in the history of this city. A tremendous actor, whether it's, you know, the Irishman, Wolf of Wall Street, or a Goodfellas in the movies, TV shows like Godfather of Harlem, Gravesend, and Blue Bloods, and most importantly, the most loyal dear friend you'll ever have, my main man, Bo Deedle. Bo, these people are animals. I know Jeff Madry said the right stuff, but it's time we abolish that uh, the right to protest, it just doesn't work. What they should do is, honestly, they should show, uh, when they want to jump on the tracks, they should show them where the third rail is and <laughs> let them put their foot on the third rail. I mean, in, re- in reality, these troublemaking little punks, this is not about what happened. This is just an excuse to act like the friggin' animals that they are. And you want to know something? I take my hat, so if we got to, when they're committing crimes, same as in 2020, we can't let that go. They're spitting at cops, they're blowing pot in their face, they're disrupting the police order and law and order that we have in New York. They should deal with them the way they should deal. When you're violent and you act like an idiot, lock the son of a guns up. Also, now I got to retract what I said last week. I looked at this case really, really close with this Marine. One million percent I'm behind this kid. Good. Right now, we got to understand. When you say this kid, you mean the Marine, not Jordan Neely. Yes, the Marine, of course. Yes. Listen, I'm not in back of the guy that broke the woman's nose 
broke her orbit, the bones around her face and all that. No, I'm not for that little punk. He was on that list of the 50 most violent, homeless, whatever you want to call them, are mentally ill. He was on that list. What would have stopped if he had a knife and he put it into that Marine or somebody else on the train? Stop the bull crap. This is all. And your fat friend there, Errol Lewis, that fat racist pig, I hate him. Because when I ran for mayor, he was he's just a condescending Oh, he killed guy. you. Yeah, listen, he killed you every night. I was surprised he was on with Katz Matidis. I, I, I was actually well, not surprised I was pissed. But John can do whatever he wants. But he killed you. And by the way, he doesn't have to have a knife, that kid, on the train yesterday. He could just throw somebody in front of a moving yeah, train. Yeah, but I mean, this is the point. And, you know, we're getting, I got into a little bit else. You know, down there in Texas after that shooting, I'm going to talk about that in a little bit. But after that shooting, somebody ran down. Eight people were killed by a guy in a car, another psychopath. Again, the gun, the knife, and or the car don't kill people. The person behind it's the one that's killing. Now, when you're talking about a headlock, I'm the champion of the headlock because I used it hundreds of times when I was a detective and when I was a cop. Nobody died. But the re- that, that chokehold that was applied was an MMA chokehold. Now, normally what happens is it stops the oxygen and you knock somebody out and they tap out before they get knocked out. When we first originally heard it was 15 minutes, now it's down to three minutes. And the more I look at this, hey, that guy could have released that uh, hold, and then this other fellow could have become and started breathing again. He didn't have any uh, in his mind. He didn't say, I'm going to kill this guy. That was not what he did. He was trying to uh, neutralize this guy, and the violence that he saw was coming, and he did what every every New Yorker doesn't do, but he was protecting other people on that uh, on that uh, subway train. And as far as I'm concerned, he's a real hero. He took. Now, if you want to take that away from him, nobody's going to get involved, and we're going to have more and more people right. are going to be victims. And that's, that's right. on that. You know, because, I mean, Jesse Waters asked me flat out on TV on Friday night, Sid, would you do it? Yeah. And to your point, Paul, you just said it. I said, Jesse, if you'd have asked me last week, you betcha I would do it. But now, what's the thanks that I get? Same thing with the cops. The cops yeah, do their job, but when they're no good. Even a cop. Now, you mentioned headlocks. I use them all the time. But right away, when a cop gets somebody in the headlock, they scream, chokehold, chokehold. It ain't a chokehold. I, I know. used it all the time. And that was the big deal as far as what happened in Staten Island when that heavy set guy there, when the guy took him down in a headlock. Eric Arnold. In reality, yep. there is a difference between a headlock and a chokehold. And people, I said, I'll testify before the city council about it. I've used it hundreds of times. So let's not confuse those things. Also, you got your friend coming on tomorrow, Trump, okay? I have one question I want you to ask him because you know what? I'm wavering. I'm wavering right now. When I said never, no more never, here's what you ask him and say it directly from Bo. Why doesn't he come out and apologize to Senator McCain's family? That's not going to happen, no. Whoa, 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 whoa. If he wants people to like him and love him, he has to show remorse and he has to show that he's not such a narcissist that he can't say. Listen, uh, I hear you I, and, and I appreciate what oh, you're yeah, saying. But but right now, right, the ball bag? It's, the ball it's not bag? about. Well, no, of course. Uh, listen, Bo, right now we've got inflation. We've got a recession. We've got kids dying from fentanyl. We've got China and Russia taking over the world. Quite frankly, as much as I love John McCain, I don't give a rat's ass whether he apologizes yeah. or not. He needs to save yeah. our economy country were falling apart well you're right about that and you know what we got to look at i like that guy saswami what's his name there that vivek, vivek ramswami yes <laughs> i tell you the honest truth that 
I like new blood. That wouldn't be a bad, bad VP for Donald. All right. The other side of it right now is you mentioned about the Queen Camellia being the ugliest woman in the world. <laughs> so I, I watched the Carnation, and I and I watched your friend there, uh, uh, King Charles. Yeah. He, where did he get all those medals? He certainly didn't get all those medals from a dentist. His teeth are falling out the guy. And the, 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 the facts of the matter is he – She's not the ugliest woman in the world. You know who I'll bring out against? Who would you rather bang? Her or Randy Weingarten? Oh, now? oh my God. Oh, you Ooh. just, let me tell you something. You just found it. You just made it a very, very tough one. I mean, somebody will throw Rosie O'Donnell in there, too, but I don't no, know. No, 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 no. Randy Weingarten, you got to look at her. You got to remember, she was playing Fauci's flute. I know. I told you this the last time. You're right. I know. She's uglier than the other one. So she is. And, and by, by the way, not only is she uglier than the other one, but the other one really hasn't hurt anybody. Randy Weingarten destroyed thousands of our children. Well, thousands. And, and, and the former Secretary of State said that is the most dangerous thing in America is Randy Weingarten. And I support it because the education to our children are training these kids. My son went to college and he comes by and he's like a lefty. I mean, this is what they pump into him that we're capital list with this and they're teaching them in the young schools and then with this what i brought out the last time these uh translucent transformers and the amount of, of the percentage of them 0.03 of american population are transgenders uh, and all that but yet they control everything and then all of a sudden 55 percent you you hit it on the head said 50 percent attempt suicide or commit suicide we got a problem because they're injecting them with these chromosomes to take your penis off and give you a penis or not a pe- i don't even know what the hell they do but the point is they're controlling our society now let's get to one of the most important things have you been seeing what's going on on our border there's 80 thousand of them sitting in Guatemala coming doing the cucaracha dance drinking corona over our over our borders and this lying little punk now you said about someone could be punched this Alejandro Mayorkas that little punk I could smash right in his face and I'll take a collar let him come to New York so when I punch him I'll get out of bail there'll be no bail in New York right now you got you got you got all these you probably have 10 million illegals in the country of these people, there's some good people there, but you also have another element. You have a criminal element. You got terrorists. You got Chinese spies. When do we stop it? When do we stop it? And again, congratulations, County Executive Ed Day. He has balls, man. Let me tell you. Did you, did you know him when he was a cop, Bo? No, no. Okay. Maybe I do. I don't know. I, you yeah. know, I've been around a long, long time, <laughs> yeah. and I, I maybe, maybe I know him. Yeah. And you know, I jump around a lot. But another one. My whales. I love whales. You ever go whale watching how beautiful they are? Now all of a sudden they're digging these big holes in the ground for these 800-foot wind turbines, and the, the sound is killing my whales. And nobody yeah. cares about the whales anymore. <laughs> all they care about is greenery stuff. I love whales. You ever go whale watching? I it's did. beautiful. I did it in San Diego, and I got so nauseous on the boat bowl that I made them actually turn. Turn the boat around, but I have done it, and it is lovely, yes. A good time. You know, and they, 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 they listen to me. Also, in New York City, a lot of people, they had a lot of Italian restaurants. Did you ever go to Sistina on 81st Street and Madison Avenue? I've never been there, no. no. The best Italian restaurant in New York City by far. Oh, hold on, hold on a second. Hold on, hold on. You can't say it's the best Italian restaurant by far yes. 30 yes. minutes after you sent me a text inviting me to yes. Rayo's on Thursday night. No, no, no. 
I'm talking. I'm talking about different kinds of food. Okay. Rayos is the best restaurant to have a, uh, have an experience. Gotcha. I'm talking about food. When you could take a sea bass, or you could take a Chilean sea bass, or whatever, like and you can make it. It's great. I'm just Love giving that. you some secrets of New York City. I like it. Now, I like it. One, one more thing, one more important thing. The Florida legislature, under my friend DeSantis there, just signed three bills. Guess what he did? He, the, the Chinese can't buy any land in any Chinese national. <laughs> cannot buy any land in Florida. And he's knocking TikTok and WeChat off government device. That is the ban. I mean, he's doing what people. He's got balls, DeSantis. So whatever you say, you want to know something? Don't eliminate DeSantis because he's showing that he walked the walk. He no. went after Disney. He's got no chance. Yeah, he's got no chance. Okay. Yeah. I like right, him. Listen, don't... listen. if Donald Trump doesn't win and you tell me Ron DeSantis is going to be president, Bo, I will dance in the streets with you. I like Ron DeSantis. I like I him a lot. What? Well, look, it. I just told you something. All I'm looking for is a little bit, a little bit personality-wise because – that's what made him lose the last time. I need to talk to these Democrats and independents and say, you know, he realizes, listen, he's a tough guy and he's been attacked. And I agree with you. He's been unlawfully attacked from every avenue since he was elected. And we had two years there. He should have made a move when we had Congress and Senate. He should attack these punks when he had the Congress. But he's not off the table yet. Now, here's one of the most important ones. Did you know that they're voting a bill for $800 billion for slavery reparations. They want to give every family a million and a half dollars. <laughs> a million and a half dollars. And then you've got these drunk fools Aye. testifying, that's not enough money. I need some more money. Where are we going in this country? What are we doing? <laughs> reparations. <laughs> I mean, come, this is nuts. I'm telling you something right now. I'm, I'm going crazy. And tell John, take that to Rosa. She's stuck along with Palmer. Don't put her on a show, man. Oscar, the new thing in 2024, if you want to win an Oscar, you have to have diversity and inclusion means your star has to be black. And 30% of the co-stars have to be black. Otherwise, you can't get an Oscar. We stop already. It's driving me crazy. I know. We actually played a great cut bow from Academy Award winner Richard Dreyfuss, who won his award. For the goodbye girl, of course, but had that great role as Matt Hooper in Jaws, too. And he's like, it makes me nauseous. If you can act, you can act. I don't care if you're black, gay, whatever you yeah. are. You know that, Bo. You're a great actor. What, 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 what are you going to do if you make a movie about an all-white thing, about yeah. an all-white movie? What are you going to do? Just throw a black oh, guy in here? Just to, 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 to get an Academy Award? Stupid. I'm with you, Bo. And uh, a lot of people are with you about DeRosa. And this was a great interview. You covered, I would say... About 90 items in 13 minutes. That's why, Bo Deedle, you're everybody's favorite New Yorker, especially mine. We'll take a short break. Big 8 o'clock hour about to come your way. Fame defense attorney Arthur Idala, Norm's Nuggets, and Miranda Devine all coming up. Action-packed 8 o'clock hour. Thanks, Bo Deedle. WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. So before you made your statements that it never happened in 2019, did you or anyone on your staff reach out to anyone at Bergdorf Goodman? 
I didn't have to reach out to anybody because it didn't happen. Um, and, and by the way, if it did happen, it would have been reported within minutes. Talking about going to a major floor, probably, I assume, the most important floor, uh, a major floor in a major department store that's a very busy store, by the way, and checkout counters and everything else. And I would be in there. I mean, it's the most ridiculous, it's the most ridiculous, disgusting story. It was just made up. right here to Dave Gahan. He's the lead singer of this great band, Depeche Mode. Just to love this song, Enjoy the Silence by Depeche Mode. Don't forget, this time tomorrow morning, this exact time tomorrow morning, the voice you just heard, President Trump, will be on with me. That was Trump's depot video that Takapina used in the court. Yesterday, they wrapped it up. They summed it up. The jury has that case today. Takapina will not come on with me until there's a verdict. We spoke about three times yesterday, but a man that was in court watching Takapina do his job. And by the way, Takapina did text me right afterwards and said, Sid, in my lengthy career, that was the best summation I've ever done. Now, now, I got to worry about the Billy Bush tape. I got to worry about prejudice. But he said, Sid, that was the best summation I've ever done. And this great defense attorney, Arthur Idala, was there to see it. So let's get his opinion. Was that the best summation you've ever seen any other attorney ever do? No, no. And I think Joe's caught up a little bit in the emotion, not because of because of the judge. The judge was so restrictive on him. I mean, Joe was not allowed to move away from the podium. You know, Joe and I were both trained in the Brooklyn District Attorney's Office where you walk around the courtroom, you create drama, you create excitement, you're entertaining. This judge made it clear, like, Joe's hands could not leave the podium. So unlike his typical presentations of the past where, you know, he's more engaging, he's going right up to the rail and leaning in and talking to the jurors, here he had to be stay. He was, like, locked into that podium. Oh, hold on. Let me stop you for a second. Now, now can I ask you? I know Judge Kaplan's a bit of a pain in the ass, but why? Well, why would he do that? A bit. I, Sid, I have no idea. It's control. It's power. These guys, I mean, even at one point, uh, Joe was making a point that, you know, his the crux of Joe's summation was there was a Law and Order episode having a woman, and, and in the episode, check off three boxes. There is a rape. Four boxes. There is a rape. Box one. It takes place in Bergdorf Goodman, box two. Wow. It takes place in the lingerie department, box three. Wow. And the actual act takes place in the changing room, 
in Bergdorf Goodman, in the lingerie department. So Joe is really hitting home with this. This is towards the end of his summation. And the judge, they object for really no reason except to throw Joe off. And the judge goes, sustain. And which means, you know, move on, Mr. Tacitino. And then Joe, as he should, continues. And the judge goes, one more time, Mr. Tacopina, one more time, which basically means you do it again. I'm going to make you sit down and end your summation. Well, let me ask sure. you this. Was Tacopina, the judge is, sounds like a real jerk. I'm sorry. I can say that I'm not he, Trump he, or Tacopina. No, no, real no. no. I listen, he, he, by all accounts, for people, I only saw, whatever, six hours yesterday. People have been there from beginning to end, made it very clear that the judge has his fingers on the scales of justice against Donald Trump. Right, it's that all bias. It's all bias. It's, it's not right. Everyone who watched the whole trial. Yeah. So, so was Takapina when he brought up this law and order thing, and it is pretty ironic, it checks all four boxes, was Takapina making the argument that they got this story from that law and order episode Correct. or just how yeah. eerily similar it was? No, 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 no. No, but basically that law and order episode is in 2012, and she doesn't come out with her stuff until, I think, 2016, 2017. Wow. So Joe was basically saying this woman who had fallen off from being a celebrity herself, et cetera, uh, was so desperate for attention and so desperate to recreate herself, she made up this whole story. And, um, you know, look, she had some very good points. He had some text messages, some details, uh, some emails that, that seemed to hurt her. Now, on the flip side... By the way, now, 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 now looking, uh, hearing what you just said, Artie, it may have been a good idea for Joe Tacopina. Forget about having Donald Trump in the courtroom. How about Dick Wolf? <laughs> well, uh, well no, one, no one really uh, denied that that episode existed. The whole issue, and the reason why Judge Kaplan was all twisted, was whether she actually saw it. So, uh, yeah, we'll get into yeah. those details. Joe's question to her, to the accuser, was, are you aware that there was a Law & Order episode uh, with the same facts as yours? And she answers, yes, I'm aware. Ooh. So Joe, Joe was spinning it like she saw the actual episode. And Judge Kaplan said, well, you don't know if she saw it. She just answered, I'm aware that that episode exists. Oh, please. So that was the whole fight was, I mean, and it, you know, it got nasty. I can see how uh, Judge Kaplan could I, – I, the reason why I said it wasn't Joe's best summation, it's – that was an impossible place to give your best summation because the judge had you so handcuffed and so confined in what you could do. With that being said, the prosecutor, the prosecutor, the plaintiff summed up for an hour and a half. She was very thorough, very uh, prof like professorial, like a professor. Joe summed up for two and a half hours. I will tell you, not because he's my buddy, but Joe's time went by a lot faster mm. than her time. She had to be so boring. Yeah. Uh, but by the way, she did, had what, what, two jurors did, sleeping. Two jurors were sleeping during. They were sleeping. Wow. Now, now, did she have the same uh, rules as Joseph had? It probably wouldn't matter to her because she sounds boring. But she Correct. couldn't move either. What you right. Just said, no, no, no. What, what, yeah, but what you just said, it probably it really didn't matter. <laughs> yeah. but, I mean, look. Let me let me tell you what this big gotcha moment though for Trump, and it was all it had nothing to do with Joe, right? In the deposition, which they showed clips of the of President Trump. There is a picture of Donald Trump with his first wife is Ivanka, right? Um, or Ivana. Ivana is his first wife. Uh, so it's Donald Trump and his wife. And then the victim here, the, the alleged victim, and her husband, John Johnson, who was a uh, ABC News reporter. And Trump in the deposition, after saying, I would never do this with E. Jean Carroll because she's not my type. Yeah. He then points out 
in the picture, the woman, E. Jean Carroll, and identifies her as Marla Maple. He goes, that's my wife, Marla Maple. Oh, boy. And then they correct him, like, really? Right. And his own lawyer, Trump's own lawyer, corrects him, the woman right. who did the deposition. Right. And I'm going to tell you, since I just heard, uh, you know, you and, and, and your friend uh, talking about which girls you want to fool around with, <laughs> in, this, in this particular picture, E. Jean Carroll, this has got to be 30 years ago. She's beautiful. Well, she that's what, like a well, I, I know. Wait, her, her attorney did say, I know Eugene Carroll's attorney said, when Donald Trump says she's not my type, he's lying. And I guess the yeah, story you just true. told yeah, makes that, that true. true. Yeah. yeah, they totally busted him. I mean, and, and Sid, objectively speaking, in this one particular photo, that's the only one I saw, she's, she's really stunningly, like, American beautiful. Um, look, you know, my prediction here is I, I believe they have to have nine jurors. Nine jurors are going to deliberate, and nine jurors have to be unanimous. Uh, Joe told me that as, as I was walking out of the uh, courtroom. I was like, nine? I said, I never heard of nine. I heard of six and 12. He was no, here it's nine. I don't know if t- nine people are going to be able to agree on this. Both sides made some very excellent points, and <clears throat> I think it's going to be very hard to walk because so, E. Jean Carroll's sitting there the whole time. She was right there yesterday in the front row. I think it's going to be very hard for nine people to tell her, we think you're full of crap. Um, but I also think it's going to be very hard for nine people to just let Trump off the hook on this. I wouldn't be shocked because the, pro- the plaintiff's lawyer kept saying, this isn't about money. This isn't about money. And in a civil case, a car accident, you pull up a ladder, they usually ask you for money. Please give him a million dollars, five hundred thousand dollars, five million. She didn't say anything about money. She said, "I'll let you decide what amount of money she deserves." But this is not about money. This is about her name and her reputation. So, said they could come back and say, "Yes, we found Donald Trump liable, and we're awarding her one dollar." And uh, she'd be happy with that. She just wants to make an example. Yeah, I, don't, of I, don't, Trump I don't know how. I don't know how happy her lawyers would be. Happy. <laughs> yeah. They just worked for two years for free, but they yeah. seem to have a lot of money. But um, it was it was interesting being there. It was there was you know the media presence was enormous, and uh, you know both sides did what they needed to do. And now it's up to the jury. The judge is going to charge them right now. Here's what could be awesome for you, Sid, and I'm not joking. Civil verdicts typically come back relatively quickly. Yeah. Compared to criminal verdicts, imagine there's a verdict tomorrow, like <laughs> late. I mean today, today late in the day, and you got Trump on as your first guest well, after it, the verdict. You know, tomorrow. it's funny you say that, that be because. For you, yeah, what? I got an email from Margo in Trump's office yesterday. She sent me this really nice picture that she wants me to use if I post anything on social media of President Trump. It's a very regal picture. And she said, hey, do me a favor, send me the topics. So I, I said to her, I said, you know, I'm, I'm really, really friendly, best friends with Joe Tacopina for 45 years. She goes, we're aware. I said, can I talk about that? She said, yes. They don't really want me talking about the specifics of any of the cases, although I can bring them up in general terms. In other words, you know, are you going to be able to, you know, to ascend to the presidency with all this going on, something like that? But they don't want me talking about Bragg, per se, or James, or specifics of these cases. But if this verdict does come back... That's in his best interest. You right, realize that. Too. Right, of course. Anything he says to you could be used at Of trial. course. But if this comes back, the verdict uh, before he's on 8.05 tomorrow morning, I know Trump, he's going to want it. To, if he wins, oh, he's going to yeah, go yeah, nuts. Yeah, yeah. No, at that point, at that point, it's more, I mean, there'll be an appeal. Either side will appeal. But, 
Yeah, I mean, you should definitely talk about. It. Are you kidding me? That would be one of the exclusive. You'll be. It'll what be if he loses? Exclusive. What if he loses? Either way, what do you think? He's not going to have plenty to say if he loses. <laughs> He's going to say. I mean, look. Here, here's what Sacapina said. He goes, "You may hate Donald Trump, but do not bring the wheels of justice to a grinding halt based on your personal preference." For another human being you have to look at him like he's just another john doe and ask them ask yourself did these people prove that john doe committed these acts in bergdorf goodman that day or is it just an unbelievable story mm. so he, he joe addressed it heads on yeah you may hate donald trump but that does not mean you you, you should rule against him so it's and if trump loses you know he's going to come on the system is fixed it's a broken system and that's why I have to be president. I'll fix the system. Right. You could write the script. You could right. write the whole script. And I would not recommend asking him about John McCain as much as I love him. <laughs> yeah, no, that ain't coming I up now. There's some yeah. other stuff going on yeah. out there. Yeah. So it, it, everyone's on verdict watch. I mean, the judge will charge the jury around 9, 30, 10 o'clock. Uh, that'll take about 45 minutes. And then they go into the room and they sit there by themselves and start talking it out. And as I said, typically civil cases, the verdict comes back that day. Mm. Um, because no one's going to jail. This is just about writing a check. And they didn't give what they would normally do. Like, God forbid, Sid, if you got seriously injured at the radio station and now you're going to miss three years of work, they say, okay, Sid made – they have an economist. Sid made X amount of dollars. He's missing this amount of money. He would have done these commercials. He missed that amount of money. And you've got to do all of this math. They didn't present the jury with any math. So it's really did Trump do it or didn't Trump do it? And then if he did do it – they come up with some arbitrary figure. She gets a, a dollar, a million dollars, $10 million. So it should, there's no reason for them to take a, an extraordinary amount of time unless they can't be unanimous. And now they're fighting in there, and they're fighting amongst themselves, which, you know, you never know. What great insight, Arthur. I, I can't thank you enough, man. You have been so valuable, the brag stuff. Now this stuff with Takapina. I can't begin to thank you. Quickly, in the last 30 seconds, do you think uh, the grand jury will convene this week, too, in this nearly penny matter? My my understanding is they're going to convene, and here's where the district attorney himself has to use judgment. You can put you can put witnesses into a grand jury, but you have control as the DA what charges you give them. So he should not be asking them to vote out a murder in the second degree, which is an intentional or depraved act. He should not be asking them for manslaughter in the first degree. The top, top count under any circumstances maybe should be manslaughter in the second degree, which is a reckless act, which the guy can get probation on. But more likely than not, this should be what's called, under the worst case scenario, a criminally negligent homicide. In other words, once he was the guy was subdued, he should have let go of his neck and figured something else out. I know that's a lot easier said than done, but my fear is that Bragg overcharges the case because the likes of Al Sharpton, et cetera, are really putting their putting, – they're choking Alvin Bragg and telling him what to do. And I hope he has the, the intestinal fortitude to say, no, 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 that's not what this set of facts – He doesn't. Uh, dictates, yeah. and I'm only going to charge him with the lesser crime. We shall, he's got great lawyers. Uh, just so you know, the Tom Kniff and Steve Ray, Reiser, I know both of them. I've worked with them. They're, uh, they're both military guys. They're both former prosecutors, and they know their stuff. So he's in good hands. Yeah, but the truth is, and we got a break here, we've seen it before with Bragg. He didn't want to charge Trump, and he received some undue pressure from folks. Next thing you know, Trump's in a courthouse in lower Manhattan. Same thing here. He probably doesn't want to charge this guy, but when his friends get to him, he's going to do it. He's already set the precedent of, you can pressure me into doing it. I know you got to go, but Sid, you know, it's interesting. What's he going to charge the people who stop the subways? What's he going to charge the people oh. who stop traffic in the street? 
you know, if he just gives them a little like, oh, no big deal, here's a desk appearance, stick in, and then your case is going to be dismissed, shame on him because it's one thing to protest. It's another thing to shut down the city and bring the economy over here uh, to a halt and just screw up our lives. So let's see if justice is equal, if the scales of justice weigh equally. I got my fingers crossed, but I'm not hopeful. I'm with you, Artie, uh, on both, by the way. Great job again today. Thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your Tuesday. We'll talk again very soon. You're the best. Thank you. Thanks, brother. Be well. Good luck tomorrow. Thank you. There he is. Uh, what a great attorney and an even better friend. I love him. Arthur Idala, a great radio guest. Got a lot more to come on this program today, including Miranda Devine. She's got a new column out in the New York Post, which really details the bribery that Joe Biden and his family have done. She details it very, very well in the New York Post. Miranda Devine coming up. And you remember Tim Russert, great Meet the Press moderator. He died years and years ago. But his son, Luke, has a new book out about Tim. He's going to join us, too. So Devine Russert. I like that. Devine Russert. Come your way. Is sit in friends in the morning. Entertaining and informative. You're my best friend. 77 WABC. Inspired a call, one of the highlights of today's show, and it's been a great show. I dial it tremendous. Bo Deedle, always great. He just called me at back Bo and said, hey, wait a second. They use that same chokehold slash headlock move in MMA, and uh, they choke the guy out. If somebody dies in the ring during an MMA fight, are they going to charge him with negligent homicide or manslaughter too? Pretty good point out of Bo Deedle. Bo's right about that. But at any rate, uh, Arthur was great. Bo was great. Who else? Uh, Dr. Maria was terrific, and uh, so was Tina Forte. But Jim Kerr actually called in. That's right, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame DJ. And he's on the air. He's on the air when he called in earlier. He starts his show at 5 o'clock every morning, Q104.3. And he called in and talked about Warren Zevon and George Michael and Cheryl Crow and all these folks, the Hall of Fame. Zevon did not get in, and we're all very upset about that. We've got Miranda Devine coming up next. Then we'll talk to Luke Russert. And again, Donald Trump. Trump Day coming up tomorrow. Trump Day. Oh, yeah. 8.05. Trump Day. Let's go to Noam with his nuggets. Noam, what you got me this morning, buddy? I'm talking about the pride of Hicksville, Long Island. The pride of Hicksville. Now, listen. Yeah. Lee Zeldin, the pride of Shirley, Long Island. Right. Uh, also, Jennifer Harrison, right. also the pride of Shirley, Long Island. I've got uh, Michelle Capitola Johnson, okay. the pride of Oyster Bay. Right. We've got Peter King, the pride of Seaford Oyster Bay, I that's believe. That's right. Uh, who am I missing here? Uh, well, Hicksville. Billy Joel. That's right. 
Today's his 74th birthday. He is 74 years old today. 33 self-depend top 40 hits over like two or three decades. 33. So what if we were to, and a lot of other songs that were not top 40 hits, but that are hits at every single one of his concerts. Yeah. So what, Sydney, if yeah. we were going to try to find the 10 greatest Billy Joel songs of all Very time? Very hard. Very hard. Well, we've narrowed it down. Who's we? Well, last I Last time you had a list like this, Rolling Stone had uh, the Rolling Stones as a disco band. And they did. <laughs> yeah. Well, this one was a reader's poll, so it asked Billy Joel fans all over the world to huh. narrow it down to the top ten hits. Well, I'm trying to give you the ten, not in any particular order. And if I guess it correctly, you'll tell me what number it is. Uh, I can do and, that. And whatever I'm missing, you'll tell me. So, okay. right off the bat, I'm going to go with number one. Usually you go ten to one. Oh, you really going to start with number one? Yeah, it's Piano Man. Okay, let's see. Number ten. You are absolutely right. Number one is the Piano Man. All right, so it's in there. Okay. All right. Uh, also on the list, thank you, would be Anthony's song, Moving Out. Moving Out did not make the top right. ten list. Right. Yeah. Well, from the same album, The Stranger, Only the Good Die Young. Did Only the Good Die Young? Uh, it did, and it came in number four. Come out, Virginia, don't let me wait. One of the greatest lines. I'm wondering, you know, I'm actually really thinking, I don't have anything in front of me here. I'm thinking about staying with the same album, The Stranger. Okay. And going with Scenes from an Italian Restaurant. Scenes from Italian Restaurant, you're guessing, would be in the top ten? Bottle of red or bottle of white? Number two. That song was written at Il Tor Cortillo, believe it or not. Tommy and Sally, the best Italian restaurant in Little Italy, Billy Joel. I thought it was at Fontana de Trevi. Incorrect. No? Il Cortillo. Huh, okay. All right, so I got three so far. You're doing pretty good, yeah. I I, I hate to... Well, I got to go with Captain Jack. <laughs> of course. Uh, I, I think Captain Jack should be in the top ten. So do I. It is at number five. Saturday night and you're still hanging, hanging around. Tired of living in your one-horse town. Tired of living in your... The word masturbated is in this song. It is. Yeah. He wrote this in 1971. He was looking at a housing project across the street from his Long Island apartment, and he was yeah. watching teens buy heroin from a drug dealer whose name was Captain Jack. Did he buy it that day, too? Not he was sure. He a big druggie back then, Billy Joel. All right, so how many have we got so far? I in think we've got uh, four jeans. of them. I think we've done four. Right, I'm going to go with um, it's still rock and roll to me. No, not in the top ten. All right, stupid guess. Uh, I'm going to go with this is the time. This is the time to not make the top ten. Yeah. I'm going to go with um, she's always a woman to me. She's always a woman is not in the top ten. Not in the top ten. No. No, not even close. Do you want me to just give you the top ten? Yeah, give 10? me the rest. Okay. Uh, now, my favorite Billy Joel song ever, and we played it at the very start of today's show, which I'm sure is not on the list, is off of Turnstiles, and it's Summer Highland Falls. That's his best song. They may have played Say Goodbye to Hollywood in there. Is that possible? Uh, it, no, that did okay. not make the top ten either. Go ahead. So at number 10, uh, he did not serve in the Vietnam War, but uh, Billy Joel. Good night, Saigon. That's right. Yeah. It's a good song. From the uh, Nylon Curtain, 1982. He mentions Charlie. Charlie, the platoon. Yeah. 
No, it's a great song. And look, this is number one. This is number ten. I thought Piano Man was number ten. No, no Piano Man was number one. All right. Yeah. I was right about that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, number nine, uh, Summer Highland Falls. Oh, good. When I hear this song, I want to make love to Justin Ellick. What? Right back at you there, big guy. Thank you. I'll slowly bring this down to help you out there, Justin. Uh, Number eight is um, uh, We Didn't Start the Fire. Ah, This song sucks. I don't like this song either. Don't even play it. It sucks. It's like that that song, Pressure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also sucks. All right, this one uh, you won't have a problem with. Number seven, Just the Way You Are. Don't go changing. Try and please me. Try and please me. Never let me down before. You never let me down before. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't imagine. You're too familiar. You're too familiar. And I don't see you anymore. And I don't Oh, very good. What's number six? Number six is uh, from his 1977 album, The Stranger Vienna. Oh, I love that song. Slow down, you crazy child. You're too ambitious for a juvenile. But then if you're so smart, tell me, why are you still so afraid? Great song. What's the, where's the fire? What's the hurry about? Uh, well, uh, we did yeah. uh, number five, Captain yeah. Jack. Did right. we do number four, Only the Good Die Young? Yes, we did. Okay. Uh, number three, New York State of Mind. Yes. Oh, Some folks like to get away. Take the official anthem of New holiday. York? No, it's not. Frank Sinatra's New York. New York is the official anthem. Think so? And then Jay-Z's. Yeah, song. This, this song is lame. Not my favorite, Billy Joe. All right, and then you Where got... Where is this list from? This, this is from... from um, Stone. Uh, Rolling no Stone, Reader's <laughs> Poll. Yeah. Yeah, number wonder. two, and number two, you got was uh, scenes from an Italian right. restaurant and number one, Piano Man. That's uh, a great time, though. It's fun. I love when you do stuff like this. Thank you, Billy Joel's seventy-fourth birthday, and I remember I went to see his concert because I just came back to New York and I was with Bernie and Jill every day. And I love Jill Vitale. I miss her. She's a great producer and amazing instincts. Amazing. She loves Billy Joel. She's going. You got to go see him. So I go. You know who I sat next to. Larry Goodman, and he's the guy that's dancing Larry at the Ranger games. I sat next to him at the <laughs> Billy Joel concert, and I was bored to death. Really? And I love every one of his songs. You, you hear I can sing every one of them. The concert was so boring. It was an old man basically sitting on a piano, and it was depressing. Like, old ladies were dancing to moving out. Like, you know, like 65-year-old ladies. They're like, oh, yeah, honey, look. And the fat husbands were like 60, 65, <laughs> sitting there. There's no kids. No. No kids go to Billy Joel concerts. I'm like, I could just listen to the songs on on, on on my phone. And it's the same thing. You know, unless you go there, like there's nights like Jim Brewer shows up and does ACDC. You know, that happened. Bruce Springsteen showed up. But on a night where it's just him, I found it depressing. That's just me. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Senator Grassley and I received a tip on a whistleblower. Senator Grassley was was the lead in this. Uh, we reviewed documents from the legally protected whistleblower, highly credible whistleblower that would implicate Joe Biden in a paper play scheme uh, in uh, uh, trying to set up a deal to receive funds to he and his family in exchange for foreign policy decisions. My message to the Department of Justice is very loud and clear. 
do not indict Hunter Biden before Wednesday when you have the opportunity to see the evidence that the House Oversight Committee will produce with respect to the web of LLCs, with respect to the number of adversarial countries that this family influence peddled in. This is not just about the president's son. This is about the entire Biden family, including the president of the United States. guys that make the Hall of Fame. <laughs> We've been bitching all day about Warren Zevon. That's my guy, Jim Comer. And he's like, slow down, folks. You've had ample opportunity to indict Hunter. Don't do it tomorrow before I unleash a can of whoop-ass on the whole Biden family. My next guest, of course, is the best columnist in the country, right there with Mike Goodwin. They work for the same paper. That's why the New York Post is so far and away the best when you get Goodwin and this great lady, Miranda Devine, writing for the same publication. I don't know how you beat that. So before we get into your great column today, which I uh, which I thought was terrific on the Bidens, and it is titled, Joe Biden Bribery Allegations Were Brought to DOJ in 2018, Two Years Before Similar Claims by Whistleblower. Miranda, every time you come on, we play a band from your homeland of Australia. Can you name the band who sang that song, Electric Blue? Oh, that's so bad that you do that to me. I know that song really well. Um, okay, and I know it's not in excess. Nope. Um, um, I don't know. Who is it? Ice House? Yes! Ice House! Yes! yes. Wow! Yes. Oh, my God. Let's yes. that out. Miranda! That was no, clutch! Not. It's a famous song. Oh, that was clutch. I said you were going to get it, and uh, Lou's all happy. Look how happy Lou is. Okay. Uh, I love it that you play those songs. Because I never hear them otherwise. Well, I know that uh, you went to New York like last month and went to see the church. Yes, yes. It was fantastic. Um, And it was kind of a small venue, and um, they played a lot of their new stuff, which I didn't know. But um, they did play some of the old stuff, which was great. As long as they play Under the Milky Way, I'm good. I love that song. So let's get to it. Yeah, I missed it because I had to go out and go on Fox. I remember. Yes. (laughs) You had to do Fox News, and you missed it. So uh, that was Jim Comer saying, listen, slow down with the indictment. Tomorrow could be a very, very big day in the United States. Hunter Biden indicted and Donald Trump on with Sid Rosenberg. That's a huge, huge day. But on a serious note, Comer saying, slow down because we got more that implicates the whole family. And you're saying, wait a second, this is nothing new. We've basically known about all of this for the better part of five years. Isn't that right? Um, sort of. Uh, I, I, I'm not going to put shade on James Comer. I think he's been doing um, 
you know, good work. And he certainly, the last time he uh, brought out some of these bank transactions, he had new information. He had, and he, he has the actual, you know, we had sort of invoices and bank statements from Hunter Biden's um, laptop and some other information from Tony Bobolinsky um, and other, other a, a few sort of suspicious activity reports that Ron Johnson and Chuck Grasley had in the Senate. But what James Comer has done is a systematic scouring of all of the bank transactions. He subpoenaed a, a number of banks um, and, and got all the suspicious activity reports and traced every single uh, transaction back to which LLC, which, which Biden family member. Um, and so I think it's a much more comprehensive look at this web of transactions. And I think because there's so many of them, you start to see a pattern. And this is what he's already teased, which is that, you know, if, if these were legitimate, why wouldn't you just transfer the money? Why would you have to use several sort of cutouts along the way before it went to the family member? Why would you um, spread the money out over lots of little transactions over time um, if you weren't trying to hide the money? Funny, I saw, I, I saw uh, Larry Kudlow was watching on Fox Business sometime last week, I forget, and I saw Hunter Biden going to court in Arkansas. Nothing to do with monies and overseas governments. It was, you know, his baby mama. I guess he's behind on some of those payments. But I said to myself, I said, I wonder, is this going to be the beginning? You know, like, for example, my friend Donald Trump. He had to be here in New York a month ago for Alvin Bragg. Then he had to come back two weeks after that for Letitia James. Then they wanted him back this week for this rape allegation where Takapina said, just stay home. So now, almost every day, it's a different case. A different. Is it starting now for Hunter Biden, like we've seen for Trump? What do you think? Well... It's the, there's a there's a fundamental difference there because what's happening with Donald Trump is a concerted lawfare attack on him by uh, the Democrats and their various proxies in New York and other states, and so and also people like George Conway who's ginned up this uh, E. Jean Carroll um, you know civil case alleging rape. Um, from what thirty years ago. Um, so, by the way, we just got we just had a great interview with Arthur Idala, who was in the courtroom yesterday. Miranda, you're going to love this. And Joe Tacopini, you know, my best buddy for forty five years, yeah. he brought up a Law and Order episode from 2012, where a lady, E. Jean Carroll's age, was, according to her, the character, raped in a dressing room at Bergdorf Goodman. And this is all part of Joe Tacopina's closing yesterday. He even asked her, are you aware of the episode? She said yes. And Judge Kaplan still gave Tacopina a hard time. How about that? Yeah, wow. That judge is, just seems so biased. And I would expect that you would – that that. Donald Trump's not going to get a fair hearing in New York. Um, although I did go and sit for jury duty um, a while ago. Uh, I wasn't picked, um, thankfully. But, uh, but you know, they were all seems like good people. And I, I, I would hope that um, he will get a jury that is fair. And, you know, everyone's always traducing New York juries, but New York City juries. But um, that was my experience, having spent a whole day in a room with these people. They were doing their duty. Um, nobody really wanted to be there. They all had jobs and busy lives, but um, they were good. And I, I think 
you know, he, he hopefully will get a, a fair hearing. But as far as James Comer goes, his um, and, and Hunter Biden, um, the, the, the legal issues that he had is just the law catching up to him at last. Uh, this inquiry in Delaware has been going on since 2018. And his baby mama, I mean, that's a self-inflicted um, injury because he decided that he was going to pretend he didn't know who she was. He said he wrote that in his memoir that he couldn't even remember her, even though he had a, a affair with her going on for months, which is all recorded in his laptop. And um, and and then she had to sue him for paternity and get a DNA test, and then he's had to pay child support, which at least he has been doing. But now he's trying to get that reduced and and pleading poverty. And um, he didn't need to do this. I mean, his father's just announced his re-election plans and he's got this other problem happening in Delaware and he's got another problem with Comer's committee. And in the middle of it all, he's chosen to create this new drama where <laughs> now the judge in Arkansas has told him he's got to open up all his financial records. So that's his own fault. Yeah. Uh, whereas Donald Trump, he's got no control over right. these Oh, you're right. And, and Trump is basically a witch hunt. And uh, Hunter is guilty of all these things. And, you know, again, you've wow. done you've done. Inc- I'm <laughs> saying it. He's guilty. No, no, no benefit of the doubt. He's guilty. Uh, and you've done incredible work from day one with all of this. You deserve every prize that any journalist should get. You really do. And uh, Bobolinsky and Tucker Carlson. But I was on Jesse Waters about uh, it was on last Friday, but about two or three weeks ago. And the guy that was on right before me was a guy named McCormick. And he used to be a stenographer for both Obama and Biden. And he yeah. would write down every word those guys said, whether it was in a cafeteria or the, the Oval Office, it didn't matter. And he said he has written proof that Hunter Biden 1,000% told Joe about Burisma. And Burisma and Hunter had conversations above and beyond that voicemail that we've heard a thousand times where Biden, the father, says, don't worry, son, I think you're in the clear, which is proof right there that Joe Biden was lying. Are you familiar with McCormick and what he has? Yes, and he's uh, another, you know, very good witness who's come forward um, only recently, and he had a sort of a front-row seat there, especially on uh, in Air Force Two in Joe Biden's many trips to uh, the Ukraine. And um, his allegation is basically that... Um, that that Joe Biden was molding gas policy um, in Ukraine to benefit the company that his son had joined the board of, that uh, corrupt uh, natural gas company Burisma. And so, um, I mean, he he seems a, a very credible um, person, um, and he had a, a an important job, I guess, in the White House, and he was one of those silent um, workers behind the scenes who heard everything uh, but could easily be ignored. And when um, our Washington correspondent, um, Steve Nelson, asked um, the White House uh, in the White House press conference uh, the other day, um, asked Jake Sullivan uh, about this, who's now um, President Biden's top national security aide, um, and he was asked if he was part of this influence peddling conspiracy that helped the Biden family. Uh, Jake Sullivan uh, only just said no and yeah, moved on. That was it. I mean, I know that Yeah, McCormick actually said, listen, if I'm lying, I'm going to prison. You can't lie to a grand jury. He said, I am willing to meet with them today. He said, I sent all this 
to the FBI. All of it. And guess what? Sorry, George V. The FBI never got back to him. But going back to your column, of course they didn't. Uh, Bud Com- uh, Cummins, former federal prosecutor, and he's the guy, I guess, that first reported these bribery allegations to then New York U.S. Attorney Jeff Berman. That's on October 4th of 2018. Again, dating back to five years ago. So this is not fiction. Bud Cummins is not a protagonist in a fictional novel. This is real life. Bud Cummins is a real guy, and he did this five years ago, yes? Yes, and, you know, this is a a respected former federal prosecutor. In fact, he was the U.S. attorney for Arkansas. He had uh, these Ukrainians come to him with these allegations that Joe Biden was involved in um, bribery, had been bribed in return for um, uh, changing um, policy. And these payments then went to Hunter Biden, Hunter's um, partner, Devin Archer, and Joe Biden. Um, So this is one of the few times that we've had directly allegations about Joe Biden being involved in the, or not just involved, being paid. And so um, he went to Jeffrey Berman and uh, sent him an email, very detailed, and offering to bring forward these two John Doe witnesses who had first-hand knowledge and evidence of these bribery uh, issues. He never heard back. Um, But what he did find out then, um, uh, three years later, was that um, the DOJ had um, subpoenaed Apple um, to access his phone, to basically spy on him, spy on his iPhone (laughs) with a grand jury subpoena. And so, as he says now, um, that just seemed like retaliation. Um, And uh, remember also that... Uh, Rudy Giuliani was being spied on. His cloud was being spied on at about the same time when he was um, President Trump's lawyer. So uh, it's a pretty weird situation when the DOJ basically spies on the people bringing these explosive allegations to them and does not appear to have done the investigation into Joe Biden because if they had done, Um, There was ample time to warn the American people before Joe Biden became the candidate for the presidency and now the president. And we're talking about money received by his family from um, America's greatest adversaries, chiefly China. And that has implications for our national security. The absolute best, folks. Laptop from hell. Amazing book. Less than two years old. And, of course, most recent column, Joe Biden bribery allegations were brought to DOJ in 2018, two years before similar claims by the whistleblower. She is the mega-talented, my dear friend, Miranda Devine. Miranda, this was great. Nice having you back. You're always amazing. Thank you so much. Great to be with you. Thanks so much, Sid. You got it. Miranda Devine. My buddy Tom Sloan, who actually... Was a big time American hero too. Secret Service guy. He he seemed to think Miranda was born in New York. Hey Justin, was Miranda born in New York? Oh, she's gone. Yeah, she's gone. Born in New York. Oh, Australia. you wanted me to ask her? I thought you were like asking me if no, I knew fine. that information. We got to go. We got a big nine o'clock hour. I used to love Tim Russert. Loved him on Meet the Press. Loved him even more on Imus. He used to make fun of me, you know, Tim Russert. He died way too young. His son Luke Russert has a new book out about his father, like I did for my father a couple of months ago. We'll start the fourth and final hour of today's program with Luke Russert right here at New York's favorite talk show, Sitting Friends in the Morning. This is Sitting Friends in the Morning. 
77 WABC. Four years today, Captain Jack. The, the album that no one ever talks about, and uh, clearly it was not going to make the top ten on that list that Norm did earlier, 52nd Street, that album, like half a mile away, I love that song. Love that song. Zanzibar. Great song. Those songs never get uh, the critical acclaim they deserve, but yeah. happy birthday, Billy. Yeah, thanks, Rolling Stone. <laughs> Rolling Stone blows. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Glad you said it. So my wife... My beautiful wife, Danielle, just sent me a, um, you know, people get angry when I call her my beautiful wife. It actually bothers them. You talk about protest- protesters being scumbags. Could you imagine somebody getting bothered by me calling my wife beautiful? What do people do? Um, so she sends me a column just now about Ray Liotta. Now, I've told you guys for months, I'm going to be on TV today, okay, across the street. I won't name the name of the place because it bothers John Katzmatidis, and I respect and love John, so I'm not going to say it. But you know where it is. Two to four, three, I'm on TV. And I look great. Maria walked in this morning, Dr. Maria. She said, my God, are you handsome. Got a nice jacket. My tan is in July. I got July tan. I've been working out like a f- It's all good. But I've told you guys, I've been very honest, I have not felt great for a couple of months. I have pain now in both of my legs. When I walk up the stairs, I tend to get tired. I've had stress tests. I've done all that. I'm back and forth to the doctor more than I like to go. So the column is what killed Ray Liotta. I was happy he didn't die from drugs because he's a, he was a wild man, Liotta, you know. Ray Liotta, of course, Henry Hill, Goodfellas, and so many other great roles. He died a couple months ago. So I said, yes, I saw what Ray Liotta died from. And she says, no, 
You need to read the column and look at the symptoms and go to the doctor and not Ben Hurry. I'm like, I, I, I haven't read the, the column yet. I don't, I don't know. Well, read it today. What good is President Trump coming on tomorrow if you die tonight? She didn't say that. Damn straight she no. did. Okay. Well, I'm going to go down to the third rail and stand there until you do this, until you read it. Well, she says that the symptoms are eerily similar to what I've been suffering from for basically the better part of 10 weeks. And um, I mean suffering. I mean, I, I, I feel horrible. But you would know that because I come in every morning and, and I'm great at what I do, the best in the business. Everybody knows it. Everybody knows it. It's enough at this point. Stop. Don't get mad. It is what it is. What can I tell you? It is what it is. No one's even close. How, but I don't feel well. How about this guy that I just heard? Oh, not him. Just you. Billy Joel? No, I just wanted to stop in the middle <laughs> of you going, no, don't even start with yeah, me. Right. That's me. Yeah. That's me. That's it. Just yeah. stop. I mean, no, it's, stop. it's so stupid at this point I, to even I argue. Just, I just wanted you Why to stop even me. Argue? If I <laughs> yeah, I know. I saw what you did. Yeah. Okay. How are your legs feeling? They're killing me, so. I got to read this column at some point today. And then... Just read it and recite a couple of things. No, but then I have to go to a doctor. Well, it's funny you mention all this because yesterday I was watching TV and I saw an infomercial. It's a great story. Thank about... you. <laughs> <laughs> Is this that uh, Slim Whitman guy again who sold more records than the Beatles? No, apparently oh. there's this thing out there called Long COVID. Oh, stop it. You sound like my daughter Ava. Stop. <laughs> I'm just saying no, I she saw said, it on TV. No, I know. My daughter Ava swears she has it. Now, my I... daughter Ava, she's in the doctor's office every day. She's been home for 11 days from London. She's been to the emergency room twice, doctor's office four times. My, my, my 19-year-old beautiful daughter is, I mean, she is, every day I got long COVID. Well, the reason I bring it up is because it was so ridiculous to me. The, the concept of it was so ridiculous that yeah. they're really still trying to sell this thing. I was like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't buy it either. It's just you're sick. Yeah. yeah I'm dying. That's yeah. it. I'll just get over it. Okay. Thanks, Lou. You're just sick. Thanks. You, but I'm saying you're just sick. You're long COVID. Yeah. I'm sick still. I know. You don't know if it's the flu or a cold, long COVID. Yeah, or you're just, yeah. you know, lazy. Well, you know, I'm not lazy. No, so. I know that. In fact, I, I, I work way, way too hard. No, he was kind of lazy. Oh, okay. She gets great grades, but otherwise, I mean, she's a kid. What do kids do? Nothing. <laughs> me? Nobody works harder than me. She's, no, getting the, she's getting to the doctor's office. She goes every day. Every day, I swear to God. Well, I mean, twice last week, I haven't even brought this up on the air. I'm at the gym, and the nail's like, you got to go. What, what, I'm, I, got, I got an hour left. You got to go. Uh, she's in the uh, pediatric, pediatric. They're actually taking her an ambulance to... Uh, the, <laughs> The hospital on Gold Street, Presbyterian. I go, what are you talking about? You're taking her to the hospital. I don't want to talk about Ava. It's me. I'm, I, you know, she's 19. She's going to be fine. She's I, crazy. I must tell you, uh, Sydney Rosenberg, she has long COVID. <laughs> yeah. I must tell you. That well, she's got allergies. That's her main issue. She does have allergies. Uh, do I, could you say hi to Trump for me tomorrow when you see <laughs> yeah. I like that. Tell him uh, he might have long COVID. Ben Hurry loves Trump, my doctor. But anyway, I, I got to uh, figure this whole thing out. All right. You know, because the summer is coming, and you know, I walk, I go, I walk on the beach, and I get very tired. A lot of it could be the weather too, bro. I mean, yeah. Once it starts becoming, you know, eighty-two degrees every day, and the sun's right. out, and it's not raining. But if I'm just sick, I cold. mean, I know it's hard to believe because I look great, but when you, it's possible we could lose me and Bernie in, in a matter of two years. All over. That's it. 
Maybe Possible. We have, we have to put up another sign. Another now, sign, yeah. And, okay. Put on the other side, yeah. Do you want yours in gold? Or do you, <laughs> yeah, so that we can distinguish? Yeah. Coming to you from the Bernard McGurk and Sid Rosenberg Studios. Right now, Curtis Sliwa is walking around with a huge erection. He's like, oh, my God, it's finally happening. Sid's dying. I got rid of Bernie. Now it's Sid. He just broke through the subway car doors. (laughs) It's about the real estate. It's about the real estate. (laughs) Don't ever slack off for a minute. Not one minute. Not one minute. Not one minute. Not one. God, you want to be in the morning. I'm right behind you. That's how we did it in Canarsie. (laughs) Uh, He's back tomorrow. We got a great show tomorrow. We've got uh, Frank Morano at 6.40, Curtis Sliwa at uh, 7.05, my buddy Bobby Inanway, whatever, I don't care. He's from Goya Foods. How do you say it? Unanway. Bobby Beans at 7.25. My, my mother, Naomi, at 7.40, and we go from Naomi right into Donald Trump. It's an interview Joseph Tacopina will not even be able to defend. And... Right after that, you've got Peter King. But if I mention the fact, we're going to talk to Donald Trump. It's an interview the professors at Kingsborough Community College will definitely be listening to. 9.40, we're going to play Pete Morgan's Sid's Take. That'll be an hour and 35 minutes after Donald Trump. It's an interview that Justin is going to turn into a minicast. And, of course, everybody on this station has been talking about it for days. They just can't wait for this big interview with Donald Trump. It's an interview Ava, Gabe, and Sid's beautiful wife, Danielle, will listen to. In fact, just yesterday I spoke to Lara. This is true. Lara Trump, Eric Trump, Kimberly, and Junior. And all of them said, well, I can't wait for you, Sid, to talk to Donald Trump. It's an interview that Justin is going to turn into a minicast. Twice. Two minicasts out of Justin. We're out of material. You have 16 of those spots. Yeah, but I'm jumping all over the place. <laughs> know, He's just randomizing it. Chris yeah, Libertini's to... up like, oh, my God, you like this one? You like that one? I'm like, Chris, I'm dying. It's like, all right. But 17 <laughs> yeah. is a little much, don't you think? I know. <sighs> and, of course, if you want me to say hello to President Donald Trump. It's an interview that will get coffee from the coffee guy on the corner. And come back with change. Feel free to send me a really stupid text message, like many of you have already done, which says, hey, I love Donald Trump. It's an interview everyone will be listening to. Tell them I said hello. And I'm like, tell who you said hello. And they would say, and we close it right here, Donald Trump. It's an interview that will definitely be playing in the sales pit. Friends in the morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. 
Half a mile away, 52nd Street, Billy Joel, happy 74. You know, I, uh, Luke Russert's going to join us momentarily. Tim Russert, love Tim Russert, his son Luke. And, uh, of course, if you watched Meet the Press all those years and listened to Imus, you remember what a large personality Tim Russert was. And uh, Luke will join us momentarily. I think I screwed up tomorrow. I booked two people at the same time. And uh, that's through Art Sears. I booked both Henry Winkler, the Fonz, but he's not talking about Happy Days. He's talking about that, that show Barry he's on, HBO. And I booked Emilio Estevez, who I loved in St. Elmo's Fire and The Breakfast Club and all those, those movies, you know. So what should I do? Um, well, I'm biased. I really like Barry. So. so you want me to bring on Henry Winkler? Yeah, but it's not my show. Yeah, but you're on it. Lou, what do you think? Winkler or um, Estevez? And we can't move anybody. That's it? No. It's a packed game. I don't think oh. so, yeah. Oh, tomorrow. It's Trump's yeah, tomorrow. day, yeah. Oh, no, that's not good. Yeah. Oh. I don't know. Um, they had no moving. Um, well, whoever's... <laughs> I just don't watch Barry. That's the problem. I watched Happy Days, but and I loved him in the movie Night Shift with Michael Keaton. That was a Ron Howard film. But well, What's Emilio coming out? I don't know. Uh-huh. I didn't read it. I haven't read should, the I symptoms have, yet for uh, yeah. Ray Liotta. I should probably know that information, too. But no. I don't, so. so Bill O'Reilly was on Cats and Cosby yesterday, and he pointed out these protesters, which I despise. I hate protesters. I hate them on both sides. I just don't understand how anybody has the time to protest. How do you have time to do that? Don't you have a job or a kid or a wife or a husband? How do you have time to stand in the street like a jackass, running and screaming, let alone do the criminal activity most of our protesters do today? I understand about the First Amendment, freedom of speech. Who knows that better than me? Who knows that better than me? There is nobody on terrestrial radio today, nobody who pushes the limit more than me. Nobody. I appreciate freedom of speech, the First Amendment, more than anyone. But come on with these a-holes already. Here's Bill O'Reilly from Katz and Cosby, cut number 12. The demonstrators themselves are primarily anarchists. They're the same people that you saw in Portland, Oregon, trying to burn down that town during the George Floyd riots. They don't care about this poor guy who's dead or the Marine or the justice system. They don't care about any of that. They want to blow up the American system. So any excuse to go out and do that, they will do. If you saw that horrendous videotape of these people blowing pot smoke in the face of police from maybe six inches away, putting a bullhorn in the face of cops, it's just absolutely revolting. These people are dangerous and deranged. The two Ds, these are the protesters. They are not good-hearted people. They are not trying to uh, right an injustice. They are trying to blow up the system. Well said, Bill O'Reilly. Okay, we'll take a short break. When we get back, again, his father, Tim, moderator, meet the press. So many good times on IMIS. We'll talk to Luke Russert. Talk Radio 77. WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. 
great RMZ vine did not make the Hall of Fame. This is a travesty. We're pissed about it. Jim Kerr, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame DJ, called us during his own show on Q104.3 at 6.45 this morning, agreed with us. This interview I'm going to do now with Luke Russert is brought to you by Pete Morgan and the fine folks at Peerless Boilers. Of course, uh, tankless water heaters as well. Check them out, peerlessboilers.com. They do build the world's best boilers. And some of my uh, best IMUS memories were uh, me, Don, and Tim, Tim Russert. In fact, uh, a couple of times when I was the brunt or the butt of IMUS's jokes and had a role play a couple of times, including once dressed up as a female cowboy, Tim Russert was all too willing to play along, and he was great. And I'm friendly with Chuck Todd, you know that. But I can't stand the guy that Chuck plays on TV. Like, I hate that guy. I love Chuck Todd personally, but the guy on Meet the Press, I can't stand him. But I loved him, Russert. Whether it was I miss or Meet the Press, and I miss him. And I did talk to and meet Luke Russert years ago. He may not remember. but um, And he's done a lot of TV work himself. But his book is out, and his book reminds me of my book, which I released last September, Citizens United, where much like Luke... I was very close to my late father, Harvey, as you guys know, and wrote my book about him. Luke's book is titled, Look for Me There, Grieving My Father, Finding Myself, Luke Russert. Luke, good morning, buddy. How are you, pal? Hey, good morning, Sid. Nice to hear you. How you been? I've been great, and it's nice to hear you, too. And you were little when uh, when I got to you. Not little, little, but you were a little guy. And uh, you've gone on to do some great things, and I'm sure your dad is very, very proud. So congratulations. Well, I, I appreciate that, and uh, I remember you guys so well. I mean, if your radio sounds funny in the morning, you're listening to I miss in the morning. <laughs> yeah. And I was yeah. off and on on the rides to school. And uh, yeah. I remember there were some moments where my dad would be like, all right, earmuffs. It's true. Yeah, those were interesting times. They were. Uh, and, of course, uh, I miss has passed away since, and, we're doing real well here. And Lou Rufino, uh, Luke, was one of the stars on the IMA show. He ran the board for the whole show. He's with me now. And for years, I had Bernard as well. He tragically passed away last year. So we have a lot of the IMA guys still here today. But I have to tell you about your book. So you, you, you say, you know, you look for your father at times. And for the better part of 22 years, after every one of my shows, Luke, I did great shows. I did lousy shows. It didn't matter. Show one did it 10. And 10.03, I got a text from my dad, and he always said the same thing. What a great show. And when he died in July of 2020, I took two weeks off because I really could. And I still can't handle it, by the way. Mm. And I came back that Monday morning two weeks later, and I finished the show. And I was waiting at 10.03 for my father's text, and it never came. And that's when the reality hit me. Oh, my God, he's gone. And your book brings back a lot of those memories. It's a beautiful book. And I'm sure your father, again, is very proud. And it's so hard. I mean, what you're talking about, Sid, is you get to that moment where it hits you. And for everybody, it's different. And I tried to outrun that moment for such a long time. And when I when he passed away, I threw myself into working at NBC worked up the ladder to cover Congress, but ultimately got to a place where I was not fulfilled because I don't think I ever had accepted the grief of, or processed the grief of losing him. And 
Hey, you just got me thinking of yesterday. So I, I was I did an event in Buffalo over this weekend, and one of the things of the title "Look for Me There" is my dad used to say that to a, a place of pickup, you know, at a ball game or a rock concert at the airport. And, and this is worth there. noting, by the way, you're in Buffalo, and your father. Sorry, Ron and Sana, your father is the most. Fa- sorry, Kathy Hochul, your father is the most famous Buffalo Bills fan ever. <laughs> <laughs> I remember. I, I was. I would agree with that. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. But uh, I get back, and uh, one of the places where he used to say, you know, look for me there, was there's this coffee shop in the National Airport here in D.C., uh, right when you get out of the uh, the terminal. And just by happenstance, I happened to land at that gate yesterday, and I walked by that coffee shop, and I just I, – I start crying because oh. I see the ghost. You know, you see – you go – Oh, gosh, there were so many times where he would be right there underneath that sign. And I think there's a lot of us that that carry those types of thoughts and that uh, it's not the easiest thing in the world. But ultimately, when you learn to live with it and you get to a place of acceptance, it becomes peaceful and and you're happy. And I I, I waved to him there. I was like, yeah, he's he's happy today. Mm. He's doing well today. Mm, I love that. How long? I'm 56, and ironically, Luke, I was just complaining. I don't feel very well, and my wife is yelling at me to go to the doctor. Uh, literally, the segment was 20 minutes ago. I think your father was only 58 when he passed away, right? He was 58, um, and it had had a decently clean bill of health. You know, had passed a stress test uh, before, but he died of something called the Widowmaker, and basically there's a plaque buildup in the arteries. And one of the things that – uh, I I did since you know, right after he passed away was I started to take care of my own heart health at a very early age and you can't do that young enough. Uh, you know, for a long time just oh don't worry about that to your 40 or your 50. No, if, if you have any family history, get in right away. At least get your blood pressure looked at, do an EKG, just sort of get a baseline yeah. to see where you're at. How old, uh, you, how old are you now, Luke? I am 37. 37. You handsome kid, by the way. And your and your father uh, is gone. How long now? Fifteen years this June, June thirteenth. Right. So, 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 fifteen years, and it's never a long time because, like you said, you passed by a coffee shop yesterday and started to cry. And clearly, this book reminds everybody how much it still hurts and how much you love them. But you're fifteen years in. You know, I'm about two years in. I and like you said, but early on when your dad first passed away, you, you tried to outrun it. I guess I'm in that outrun stage, and um, I'm not running very fast. Luke, so I'm, I'm, I'm glad you're on the phone this morning because I could. This is kind of like a therapy session for both of us. I need you here today, so thank you for that. Oh, likewise, and I appreciate it. And one of the things I write about in that uh, in in the book is that you do try to outrun it because confronting it means that he's actually gone, and that's the first sort of step. Is you have to come to that place of peace with, all right, he's not going to be waiting for me at that coffee shop. He's not going to be sending me the text, right? But then what I sort of felt, and I've, I've heard this from other folks too, you know, Tom Brokaw, he said to me early on, and I didn't really appreciate it at the time, but he said, you know, you're, listen to your dad. Your dad's with you every step of the way. Listen. Put yourself in that position to listen. Hmm. And I'll go into these uh, what I call a meditative state where I just sort of close my eyes and I imagine what a conversation would be like. And it's really, really helpful. And I, I, I thought that was kind of weird and silly for a long time. And then I started to do it as I started to, tra- started to travel. I would be driving in some faraway land completely by myself, like in the middle of Oman, in the Middle <laughs> East, driving through these mountains. 
<laughs> just having a conversation with dad for an hour and a half. Awesome. And it was really helpful. Really, That's really awesome. Helpful. And I tell you, you follow through in the long line because I remember very vividly when your father, God rest his soul, wrote the book about his father, your grandfather, Big Russ. And they talked about he, their days together going to Buffalo Bills games. So your father wrote a book about his father, your grandfather. You wrote a book about your father. So I think it's beautiful the Russert family continues this tradition of honoring the men that made them the great men like you are today. I love that. Well, you're very kind, and I just did the event in Buffalo, and it was actually at this place called the Blackthorn Club, which is literally the is where my grandfather used to hang out, and they had uh, the guys who wear the black hats on St. Patrick's Day and march in the parade and all that, the black top hats. And so it was really <laughs> nice to reconnect with all those with awesome. all those folks. Um, but it's, it, 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 it hits on something that I think is so important, which is that the father-son bond is incredibly unique. And there are some people that have wonderful relationships with their father. There's some people that don't know their father. They or they have a bad relationship or whatever. It doesn't matter where you are on that spectrum. It has a real effect on you. Yeah, and that is something that uh, we as often like as men, we don't explore enough. We kind of just you know, store and ignore uh, but that it, it, it sits with you for a long time. It does. And I'm one of those guys that cries over everything, Luke. I'm a tough guy, bench press 300 pounds. You look at me, I look like I'm steel, but I cry over everything. So I uh, <laughs> I have no issue telling everybody I miss my daddy and, and all that. And me and my son are very, very close. My 14-year-old son, Gabriel, he's my life. So let me ask you a, a silly political question, which I know you get all the time. It's annoying. I know it is, but it's obligatory, and that is. Sure, sure. What would your father say about the job that Chuck Todd's doing? What would my father say about the job that Chuck Todd's doing? Oh, you're putting me on the spot here. No, I know you uh, work with Chuck at NBC. Hired Chuck. My father hired Chuck uh, to be NBC News political director in, uh, I believe it was 2007. He came over from the hotline, and he had great respect for Chuck. And then I think he would say, you know, Chuck, you're doing a good job with what is the society is handed to you. You know, it's a much different game now in 2023 than it was in 2008. When my father died, it was still the broadcast in the morning, the broadcast in the evening. People still got print newspapers. Digital was taken off, but it was not at the level that it is today with social media turning videos left and right with Facebook and Twitter and Instagram having such a role. And I think that's something where what would Meet the Press have looked like you know, with Tim Russert in the digital era, when he died, it was really the end of that more traditional era. So it's it's you know in sports we we like to say it's tough to compare eras yeah but I, I think Chuck given it it's hard to replace a legend right. Um, right and David Gregory had you know it's hard for him as well so I think those guys have done the a, a, a good job the best they can but it it does speak to my father's legacy that so many years later people are still talking about oh my god um, luke every day you know? every day yeah. it's always yeah. he'll never be tim russert which begs this question in the final 60 seconds you're brilliant you speak so well you're great looking you got all the qualities that the late great tim russert who i loved had so no disrespect to david gregory but chuck todd who's a good friend of mine chuck and i are good friends what do you say one more russert moderates meet the press <laughs> I would, i'd say never say never but uh it'll be a minute because uh 
I, I like to sleep on Sunday morning. Right <laughs> yeah, but if I gave you three million reasons why to wake up, you may wake up. <laughs> yeah, it, it, that's sort of something you, you come along to. But I will say I'm I'm very interested in what the future of media is because I have read all these articles about, oh, you know, TV's dead and print's dead and whatnot. And I went on TV last week, and for the first time in a while, the muscle memory came back. There's still a huge audience out there. Huge. So I would say the death of TV, the death of radio is is greatly exaggerated. Um, you know, 20 million people watch the evening news. If you count up the three networks, the Sunday shows are right around five, six, seven million, depending on what's going on. Cable's still high. So don't dismiss all that right away. It's it, not everybody is going to be substacking and podcasting uh, for to get their news in, in just just right away. Well said. Again, the book is Look for Me There. Grieving My Father, Finding Myself, and it's about the great relationship between Tim Russert, who we all miss and love, and his son, Luke, who's just uh, such an impressive, impressive guy. Luke, it's great catching up again. I wish you'd come by more often. I wish you the best of luck with this book, and keep in touch. I love the Russert family. Thank you so uh, well, much. Well, thank you so much, and I appreciate that. Thank you for sharing that story about the uh, the text with your dad. That was very heartwarming. That's one I'm going to carry with me for a long time. That Aww. was wonderful. I appreciate thank that. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for giving me the opportunity to do that with your great book. There he is, folks. Luke Russert. The apple did not fall far from the tree. Oh, my God. Tim Russert somewhere is very, very proud of that young man, Luke Russert. Luke, I love you, pal. I'll be right back. WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. Reach out, such space. Mode. Happy birthday, Dave Kahan. Personal Jesus, I believe this is also on Violator, with Enjoy the Silence. Is that right, Lewis? That is correct, LC. Well, I love Luke Russell. I love the whole show today. Bo was great, obviously, and um, a lot of great guests today. Arthur Idala was tremendous, just tremendous. Miranda Devine was spectacular. And I don't even remember who's on early. Jim Kerr. Oh, Jimmy Kerr called in, talked about Warren Zevon. Well, his own show was on the air at Q104.3. Unbelievable. Really unbelievable. I thought somebody else was on at uh, 7. I don't remember anymore. Losing my memory, too. It's all falling apart, Louie, baby. Maria. Oh, Maria was, I got to tell you, she was really great. Dr. Maria Ryan on with Rudy every day. Uh, Sundays, I should say. Not every day, Sundays. And uh, the real Tina. Tina Forte, she's going to run against AOC. My friend Melissa's walking around the building. She's the lady who did the photo shoot and the story for a Preferred Health magazine. She got involved with this TV show. It's called Genesis. It airs on May the 15th on LFN TV. 
The production was filmed in Brazil with two well-known Brazilian actors, Carlo Porto, he plays Adam, and Juliana Bowler, she plays Eve. And I was going to let him come in here and talk about uh, the series because it's huge in South America, and they expect it to be big here too, but uh, they're not here now. So The girl was walking around the, stu- the uh, floor, I heard, but I guess they took off, and now it's getting too late, so. We can tape something. If they come up here, just tell them we'll tape something after the show. See, si. See, si, si. senor. See, si. see, si, senor. I don't know. Justin is running around. There. I know. <laughs> tell him that it doesn't it. matter. <laughs> At 10 o'clock, we'll, uh, we'll talk to him. I'm in the Trump mode right now anyway. And we got a bunch of interviews before Trump tomorrow. Frank Morano, Curtis Sliwa, the guy from Goya, Bobby Beans, my mother, and then Trump. And then you get Peter King, and I guess I'm going to take Henry Winkler over um, Emilio Estevez. Play David Letterman. Letterman's upset like you and I that Warren Zevon didn't make the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. They announced who did make it, who did make it, I should say, a couple days ago. I got the list here. These are the performers that made it. Kate Bush, we love her. She does that great duet with Peter Gabriel. Don't give up. On the album So. Very good. Cheryl Crow. Missy Elliott, George Michael, Willie Nelson, Rage Against the Machine, and the Spinners. Musical Influence Awards went to DJ Cool Herc. Whatever that is. Now, remember Janae when she was in here? Janae. Janae uh, Butler. Janae. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. She she brought him up as one of the first hip-hop. No kidding. That I think it was DJ Cool. Oh, maybe you're right. Yes. And he, she mentioned him as the one of the founders. Pioneers. Pioneers. Good. Link Sorry. Ray is another one, I guess. Gu- guitarist. Musical Excellence Award went to Bernie Toppin, who, again, I believe that most of Elton John's arrangements, most wrote, of his songs. Co-wrote with Elton John. Yes. He wrote. Al Cooper with a K. I don't know who that is. Al Cooper was a keyboardist. He played on a lot of sessions. He played with Bob Dylan. He plays the piano on like a Rolling Stone. Oh, no kidding. Okay. Yes, Al Cooper was very uh, talented. And Shaka Khan, which gives me the chance to play Through the Fire. I love that song. What's the guy's name in that? Um, uh, Rufus. Is it Rufus? Yeah. All right. If you're thinking of Tell Me Something. No, I think you're right. And the Ahmed Erdogan Award. Went to the former host of Soul Train, Don Cornelius. Anyway, here's Letterman. He's mad like me and Lewis that Warren Zevon did not make it. Hey, did you hear the uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame nominations are in? Uh, Warren Zevon did uh, was on the ballot, I think, the first time and was not voted in. And I'm, I will say I'm disappointed. I'm not angry because I would have been surprised had it gone the other way. Oh, you would have? Yeah, because I I think to be angry would have been like 30 years ago when he should have been inducted shortly after. How long ago did he pass away? Ten years. I think longer than that. I think like 15. In any event, whether he was alive or had passed away, he should still be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And I knew it wasn't going to happen. He knew it wasn't going to happen. Hey, want to hear uh, Howard Stern call King Charles a pussy? (laughs) It's always good. Play number 14. England's got to get a grip on themselves. I understand maybe it brings in tourism, but Jesus H. Christ. First of all, Prince Charles is a That's number one. (laughs) People are acting like the whole ceremony, they're acting like that guy went to war or something and then beat up all the other people. Did something great besides be born. Yeah. Yeah. But they're like, uh, we swear our allegiance to you and you are a great warrior. I mean, the whole thing is 
nuts. <laughs> One of the uh, the great newscasters. Donald Trump even wrote about this guy on Truth Social yesterday. I'm serious. He did a whole post about this guy. A New York favorite passed away yesterday. This would be cut number 16, Lewis. A legend of New York local news has died. Former Fox 5 anchor John Rowland. For nearly 30 years, Roland delivered the news to New Yorkers at 10 o'clock every night. He first joined the station back in 1969 when Channel 5 was still part of Metro Media. He took over as the main anchor in 1979. Roland had a gritty style that became familiar to everyone here in New York. He often insulted crime suspects using terms like thugs. Roland retired in 2004, but his style influenced many journalists still working today. John Roland was 81 years old. Want to hear why Al Sharpton is such a scumbag? This is Al Sharpton, cut number 13. 13, Lou. The victim here uh, had had uh, mental health issues, but that it was certainly uh, not something that should have sentenced him to death. You cannot let this go unaccounted for without really opening the door to legitimizing and giving a basis of vigilantism. This young man, unarmed, did nothing to anyone, didn't assault anyone, was disruptive, which happens every day in subways, and you're going to put him in a chokehold and hold him there for minutes at a time while two other people hold him down and kill him. This person uh, uh, should face a grand jury and the two people with him. And the attorneys say that the family's going to pursue this. They're planning a funeral. All of the community is riled up about it. I think the protests... Are, are just saying this could be anybody. No. You can't take the law in your own hands. Sure you and can. You certainly can't kill someone no. when there's no life extenuating circumstances. How do you know? I got two words for you, bitch. Tawana Brawley. How does that sound, Sharpton? Tawana Brawley. Here's Jeff Madry, NYPD chief. Talks about these arrests, these low lives. They arrested 11 of them at these protests last night. Cut 17. The officers responded to the location. There was approximately 150 protesters out there. And I want to make it clear, we respect people's right to protest. We respect their, their First Amendment rights. But we will not uh, tolerate people breaking the law. More importantly, we will not tolerate people bringing weapons and dangerous substances to peaceful protest. As the protest started... There were different violations of the law. Officers addressed the violations of the law. We made about 11 arrests. And as we started to move the crowd, we found a Molotov cocktail that was in in the crowd, on the ground. Once we established calm at the scene and we took away the people who were violating the law, we had a peaceful protest. People marched from the vicinity of uh, Houston and Broadway all the way down here to the 7th Precinct with no problems. The officers were here. We escorted them. We allowed them to speak up. We allowed them to elevate their voices, and then they left when they were ready. We will respect people's right to protest, but we cannot have people bringing weapons. Some more Billy Joel Stiletto, 52nd Street. Happy 74th birthday. We wrap it up where we started with Billy Joel, former chief of police Joe Esposito, on the way to Sloan Kettering. Just an appointment, no treatment yet. Had a tumor removed last week. We're all praying for Joe Esposito. That's going to wrap it up for this Tuesday edition, and what a great show it was. want to thank all of our guests, and, of course, my amazing crew, Lou Rufino. 
Justin Ellick and Noam Layden. We're going to be back at 6 a.m. on a Wednesday morning with President Donald Trump. Coming up at 8.05 tomorrow with me, President Trump. Check me out across the street on television between 2.15 and 4 o'clock this afternoon. Trump tomorrow. Until then, from all of us to all of you. She cuts you hard, she cuts you deep She's got so much skill She's so fascinating that you're still there waiting When she comes back